Devour the podcast is for mature audiences only. I guess everyone's a title of a good scare, good scare, good scare, good scare. Hello and welcome everyone to Devour the Podcast, episode 117. I'm your host, David. Joining joining me, as always, is Jamie. Hello! Apparently, Jamie's on a slight delay right now. And uh, <laughs> the the maniacal cackling you hear over there is Bo. Hey, everybody! And we're back. For real this time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, episode uh, 117 uh only a brief delay <laughs> between 116 and 117 but yeah yeah like a yeah, maybe a year give or take something like that shit huh? i don't know it's kind of like the delay between episodes of liking it here i know right <laughs> almost almost <laughs> almost <that bad. laughs> almost so you know, but hmm? uh, to quote the 76 king kong it's really just the blink of an eye geologically speaking so oh i feel much better now Anytime I can quote Rene Aubergenois from King Kong, <laughs> I will take that opportunity. Excellent. So uh, for anybody who missed the announcement, um, the show is back. We are doing a monthly schedule, uh, so you'll be getting new episodes once a month. Uh, it will be exclusively available on Legion uh, podcast because I have to go in and dick around with a bunch of stuff on the old Devour page, um, which I just don't have the time or the money for right now. So that'll get all sorted out. But for now, it's uh, exclusive to Legion. Um, the uh, we'll probably have to work out something for the archives. Um, but there will also be the YouTube is getting updated in the near future. I have to find my uh, editing software for that. Um, so the archives will be posted there as well, uh, with solo reviews of films posted uh, in its own separate playlist. Um, for people who want to see just a specific review. Um, so yeah, that is that. And yeah, so once a month you'll be getting a new Devourer. And also, you'll be getting a new episode of the VD Clinic, my new show with uh, Vanessa. Yay! should be out by the time you're hearing this. Right, still. Yes, yes, yes. I'm working on it. I know. I, actually, uh, uh, that should be already by tomorrow. Oh, sweet! Now, as of when we're recording this. Okay. Yeah. If listeners will have already seen the benefit of that. Yes. Because of time. Yes, indeed. So that was that first episode was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, and then next episode we're doing uh, we're actually doing whatever happened to Baby Jane, the book and the movie. Which I'm excited about because I started reading that last night. And holy shit, that book is really good. Yeah, I've never uh, never read that book, but that mostly because I never learned to read. Oh right, I've heard it's good. Yes, yes. So I'm interested hmm? in reading that book. Uh, 
I've always loved the movie, but particularly since watching Feud, mm-hmm. I have really been interested in reading the book. Yeah. So it's like ten bucks on Kindle. Um, I'm I think I'm on page like thirty nine or something, and it's already like it's super tense and nothing has happened yet. It's really really good. Um, and the forward is fantastic and has probably the greatest quote ever from when uh, Betty Davis found out that Joan Crawford died. <laughs> really? Yeah, I posted oh, on, yeah, on Instagram uh, that apparently a fan ran up to her and said, uh, Miss Davis, Joan Crawford died. And uh, Joan Crawford's response was, she's a cunt. And Burt Reynolds was with her and apparently said, uh, uh, you know, Betty, this, uh, this, this gentleman we're having lunch with is from the National Enquirer. And apparently she her response was... But she was always on time. Oh, actually, <laughs> hang on, let me get the... she was a punctual. Oh, it was oh so oh so good. Hang on, let me find. Did Are you guys you... watch Feud? Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. I haven't seen any of it, but I'm I'm fascinated by the idea of it. Is it good? It is amazing. Okay, yeah, well, first of all, it. it's Ryan Murphy, so right. Uh, it's very Ryan Murphy esque. Like the whole show is, it bleeds Ryan Murphy. You could see it. it it's just, but in all the best ways. And uh, Jessica Lang and Susan Sarandon, I think, do a beautiful job of playing off one another. Um, I particularly love Susan Sarandon's portrayal of Betty Davis because I think she gets her her cadence and uh, her delivery mm-hmm. exactly right. Uh, and it's just, it's, I learned some things that, and I thought I was pretty well versed in, in all of that. Cause I'd always been interested in the two of them from a young age. And uh, I learned some things that if they're accurate, uh, are pretty fascinating. So, uh, yeah, it's, I highly recommend it. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. And the second season has already been greenlit and the second season is going to be Charles and Diana. Ooh. Hmm. Okay. Should be interesting. So that should be interesting as well. But this one, what a hell of a way to uh, to start off this idea oh, yeah. for a show. It's it's brilliant. So let me ask you something about the the show Feud. Um, it, so the first season is just like where does it start? Where where does does it begin with whatever happened to Baby Jane or does it? Yeah. It, it's, okay. It's, it's it starts off from how that was how the film was conceived and how the two of them were brought into it. Um, Basically Joan Crawford was looking for a project. She needed a project. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she found this, she took it uh, with the idea of getting the film made. And then, and as an idea to sort of boost it, she wanted to bring uh, Betty Davis in. And then that's where, that's where it kind of starts. And then it goes on from there and it goes a little bit past the uh, baby Jane portion of their lives, but the majority of it is taken up by that. And then it sort of goes past that and on to uh, the death and stuff. So, but um, it was handled so well. And so, you know, I, I just, I cried a lot and um, <laughs> I, kn- I know, I know, <laughs> God damn it. Why do I get that response every time I mention this? <laughs> But I did it just from a um, it really deals well or does a good job of dealing with what women faced in Hollywood as being part of the Hollywood machine Mm -hmm. at the time and to an extent still to this day, but not like it was back then. But it 
digs deep into what it's like to be a woman and to feel like you are shelved at a certain age because you're no longer viable. It just, um, I don't know, it was, oh, so good, so good. I just did not expect to be that emotional about it. And it wasn't necessarily about things that were happening between the two of them. It was looking at both of their points of view about where they were in Hollywood at the time and how their careers had changed and, you know, uh, where they ended up. It was just, it was heartbreaking on some levels. Funny, it was so funny, so well-written in, in a lot of places. And uh, just, it hit all the emotional points that uh any good show uh, could do but this being based on actual people uh, made it that much more fascinating all right i i need to catch up with that one that it, yeah. it seems so up my alley and and it's jessica lang as joan crawford and sarandon as betty davis right yes okay and which seems perfect and especially you know actresses of that age doing a show where at least part of the theme is, you know, aged actresses. Yeah. Uh, seems really smart. And oh, also, uh, if, yeah. if you can get Jessica Lange in anything, why why wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, of course. Plus, you've got uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones plays Olivia de Havilland. And um, she was brilliant. And I just I haven't seen her in a while. And I was like, wow, she did such a good job. Kathy Bates is in it. Um and, and their parts are smaller, but still very good. You know, um, it just, uh, I just, yeah, I, the guy who played Victor Buono, what I, I, I swear to God, I thought they dragged him out of the grave <laughs> to play himself. I couldn't believe it. It was, it was insane how he looked like him, how he talked like him. It just, it was unreal. So yeah, you will love it. I guarantee it. I I personally guarantee it. All right. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. I, I, I think that sounds great. I'm going to have to watch this before uh, I record the next episode of uh, VD. Cause I'm sure it's going to get brought up. Yeah. So, but, all right. So uh, w- what about you, David? What have you been watching since last we spoke? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I haven't watched a lot of movies, honestly. Um, I have been, I've been doing a lot of working. Um, work has been insane. Um, I've been mostly focusing on uh, writing music the last couple months, um, and trying to get movies in here and there. But nothing, nothing really comes to mind that needs mentioning. I don't think I've seen any standout horror films that I want to mention. I mean, other than what we're going to talk about tonight, um, and Showgirls, which it's not a horror movie. Well. Is it, it is kind of a horror movie. It is. That movie is. If you guys really want to know what I think about that movie, go and listen to my incredibly stoned ass try to explain what that movie was about on VD Clinic episode one. Because holy shit. That movie broke my brain. <laughs> like, Had you not seen it before? No. Was that a first time? It viewing? was a first time I've viewing. I've seen that movie like three times. Yeah, no. This ridiculous. was my first oh, time. I own that movie. I have seen it numerous times yeah, I no, just, it was i mean i couldn't even first time viewing and there's yeah i there yeah i was convinced that there that it was part of twin peaks in a weird way like there's it's all it's all in the episode so when that goes up check that out and you can hear me rambling about showgirls and how it completely fucking broke my brain 
Yeah, it'll do that. Yeah. That it's a bizarre movie. Fuck, is it weird? But it's really good. It's really entertaining. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it good. No, it's, I would it's not good. I would certainly call it entertaining. It's really entertaining, and it has moments of being really good. Yeah, Gina Gershon yeah. is oh, yeah. She's wonderful amazing. in that movie. Um, it, basically, everybody but um, Elizabeth Berkley is good in that movie. But she is so bad in it that it's she, that's yeah. part of... What oh, makes the movie so oh, yeah. intensely watchable. Yeah, it's her just pure fucking insanity. <laughs> and insanity while fucking. Ugh. Right, that, that hot dog scene with Kyle MacLachlan. It's is... a pool. And oh, it, that's right. She's not, that's not how sex works. She's <laughs> having sex with his abs. They're, Pretty they're, great. That's all. I, think, I think maybe he was in a different hole. <laughs> I Going up the... I don't I don't think he was I think every every time he's in a sex scene he just looks he looks terrified in that movie every time every time well, fuck Elizabeth Berkeley's anywhere near him. That. I know, right? Well, see, I have to wonder. I don't I wonder if it and I actually think about this when I'm watching the movie. Did they rehearse this and did he know what was coming? Because the look on his face is kind of like, right? "What the fuck are you doing?" Right? Okay, I can't. So I think no one told him. I think she just was like, I'll "Watch this. This is what I'm gonna do. Let's see his reaction." <laughs> right, right, right. Well, fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> so, all right, I can't. I can't talk about Showgirls anymore. I spent all right, a, all right. a yeah. goddamn hour talking about that movie already. Oh, I could probably talk about it more, but I don't want to because it's horrifying. Yeah. BD Clinic, yeah. only on Legion Podcasts. Yes. Uh, so that was super fun. Uh, we also discussed the uh, the first Five Nights at Freddy's book, which is not very good. The which book? The first Five Nights at Freddy's novel. Oh, I didn't. Okay, I think I did know that that existed, but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, are you surprised that it wasn't very good? No, I, I knew it wasn't going to be good. And actually, it's why I bought it because I wanted to read it and I wanted to see how bad it was, and it's entertainingly bad for the most part. But it's also really frustrating because there's too many goddamn characters. Like it's it's basically a slasher novel where nobody dies, and there's a lot of there's a lot of we we go into that too. There's a lot of problems with that book, but I found there's some of the bad writing is very entertaining. Um. So yeah. Um. That's yeah. That's pretty much it. Um. Yeah. Oh. So um. Also, because I know I didn't mention this at the front end of this. Um. But it was part of the announcement. The uh, format of the show is going to be changing up slightly. So you'll notice that as we go along. We're not doing um, instant queue anymore because, uh, you know, we, we felt like it would be right. better to, to give the main feature a longer a longer chunk of time to d- be discussed. So um, is there anything we need to cover before we jump into the news? Can Can I talk about a couple oh, of movies yeah, real quick? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so um, I I wanted to talk about this because I haven't talked about it anywhere else, and I think it's worth mentioning, mm-hmm. is uh, the movie The Girl with All the Gifts. Oh, yeah. Which oh, is... yeah, or you mean The Last of Us, the movie? <laughs> it absolutely is. In fact, I said the same thing <laughs> when I was talking to Duncan uh, very briefly about this movie. Uh, Duncan, also known as Scottish Bow, it turns out, yes. uh, which I like. Um, yeah, I think that movie is awfully good. I think if the I think if the the game The Last of Us didn't exist, it would probably be better. 
but I really like like I enjoyed that movie a lot because the zombies are a little bit different, which is interesting. Um, the opening, say, 20 minutes of that movie are fantastic. And I think it sticks the landing. I, I thought the ending of that was was quite good as well, even though it, I don't know that it was a surprise when it happened. But it was like, oh, OK, well, I feel like this is the way the, the movie should have ended. And it it sells the theme of that film real well. But and, and you saw it, Jamie. I did. Yes. And I agree with that assessment. I also really loved Glenn Close in that film. She's really good. I've got uh, more than a small crush on on Gemma Arterton. And uh, so, you know, it wasn't a tough sell to get me to watch that movie where it's like, oh, Oscar winner Glenn Close and Gemma Arterton in a zombie movie. I'm kind of in. It's really good. Really good. The other movie that mm. I want to, to mention, because I just saw this yesterday, is, okay, let me just give you the scene. You know how many times someone is like, hey, I've got this Polish movie that's about killer mermaids, but it's also an 80s musical, and it's it's heavy on the romance? And you're like, that again? Um, that is the At movie. At least twice a week. <laughs> right. Right? That old chestnut. Um, that is the movie The Lure, uh, which I, I oh. just watched. And it is... All, all, <sighs> It's one of those movies that I, I had totally different expectations of what that movie was going to be going into it. Mm -hmm. And for the first, say, 10, 15 minutes, I was like, uh-oh, maybe this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And then it turned out it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, but it was really, really good. Um, I don't think it's flawless. I've got a couple of little uh complaints with the movie mm -hmm. but the movie exists in a world in which two girls who show up all naked like and are like hey we're mermaids uh people are like all right that tracks um <laughs> and when they see uh them as mermaids everybody's just like okay that seems cool we can probably work that into our club act where we sing vaguely synth uh style music and uh, and it's really good. It's it's like watching, like if Michael Mann were Polish and wanted to do a musical about mermaids, it would kind of be the lure. All right. And uh, but I I really really enjoyed it. I I hope that uh, you guys get an opportunity to see it because I I don't know anyone else that has seen it yet. And there are things I do want to talk about, but I don't want to spoil it because part of the fun of that movie is seeing where it goes and uh, for for there being a bunch of uh polish pop style songs in it the songs are actually really really catchy even though my polish is probably as good as my danish um and <laughs> which is to say not at all but it was like i i kind of wish i knew a little bit of polish because the songs were really catchy and and there are moments that are like there's a magical realism element to that film where uh, one of the mermaids, when she's, you know, uh, not tailed up, she's got legs um, where uh, like it, it's sort of the end of the first act where you're kind of taking the turn from, hey, these mermaids have shown up mm -hmm. to things are about to get a little weird um, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, the mermaid showing up, I suppose. But. 
the one of the mermaids there the, there are two of them one of one of them is named golden the other is named silver and golden is the maybe older of the two or at least seems a little bit older uh in that she's a little more savvy when it comes to you know the world of man mm-hmm. and like everybody freezes in place and she wanders naked through this apartment that she's staying in with the band that has taken them in and sings this song about how everything is shit and that makes everybody happy. And it's a, like this incredible. And, and when I say naked, like part of their mermaid, uh, you know, part of the mermaid lifestyle guys is that when you, when you have human legs, you don't have any genitals though. Hmm. And so it's just like a Barbie doll. In fact, that's how they described it. Uh, Barbie doll smooth where there would be female genitalia. Right. Um, and so she's kind of wandering through the house, all Barbie doll like, and just singing this song about how everything is awful. And it's like that, that scene alone kind of won my heart. Cause I was like, I ain't ever seen that in a movie before. <laughs> Uh, but it's really good. So if you haven't seen the lore, uh, you absolutely should. Excellent. Uh, and a quick shout out to the movie Abattoir for almost making sense. <laughs> I enjoyed that movie. I, that, I, I've seen some polarizing opinions about it, but I overall enjoyed it. I think the idea is uh, really interesting and something that I've never seen before as far yeah. as collecting rooms uh, from various murder scenes and putting them together to create one fucked up house. I think that's that's pretty badass. But hmm. there are bits about it that are kind of, well, uh-huh. um, yeah, The lead actress is <laughs> not <yeah>. very good. <laughs> oh, so um, um, really quickly, I did find a movie I had watched that probably should get brought up. Um, did you guys see Double X? Not yet. It's it's on my list, but I have not seen it yet. God damn it! Uh, that's style. you mean the you mean the uh, the all female anthology? Yes. That one? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. What did you think? I didn't like it. Okay. I don't feel so bad. It was okay. Oh, you didn't like it either. Oh, I, I mean, I there thought were... there were. I thought that most of the stories worked pretty well. I actually kind of liked the theme of like the familial theme that was going through a lot of them. I felt worked. Um, I don't think the wraparound, I mean, the the wraparound was interesting visually, but it didn't really do anything. Um, And there was just one story that just stuck out like a sore thumb that I hated. Um, It was the one with the, the camper. Oh yeah. That yeah, one, that, that one bothered me. The rest of them, I thought, like the rest of them were, like I said, they were okay. That one I feel had potential, but nothing really happened. I mean, there was no nothing. Yeah, nothing happened. There was no meat to it. Yeah. There was no actual story to yeah. that story. It just was a, a I don't know. It was, it was just like sort I was of watching there. a snippet of something. Yeah. Um, I really liked the last one. Yeah. Um, the um, the, the basically the Rosemary's Baby. Yes. Bit. That was really good. I, um, the, I had overall, I had a lot of issues with it just because I, I, I don't know. I, I can't remember exactly what I said at the time, Yeah, but they seemed kind of, hmm, I'm not sure. I, I, they seemed really empty 
to me. And I just, I was kind of just overall disappointed. Yeah, I, I, I felt like it had a lot of hype going into it. And then, like I said, I feel like for the most part, there seems to be a theme of family and like yeah. certainly motherhood throughout those, most of the stories, except for the one in the camper, which has nothing to do with anything. And that kind of worked for me. Like I was like, okay, this makes sense. Like we're doing, you know, it's like, all right, we're all female directors. We're all taking, you're all doing your female, you know, the female perspective on horror. And so family seems to be the theme that's going through it. Okay, fine. Um, I thought the birthday one was really good. That was really fun. Um, the, the, the last story was really good, but then like the, everything else was, it, it, like most anthologies, it was kind of uneven and right. it was sort of like, ah, all right, this is fine. Like, I'd like to see another one. Um, and I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure how they curated these, these yeah. films either. I just didn't feel like they're now it, you brought up the family thing, except mm-hmm. for we have that one story that does not fit that at all. So right, it just right. kind of clearly that's not what they were. Um, I, I feel like this thing was writing more on the premise of what it was yeah. rather than I feel the, kind of the same the, rather than what VHS was did. You know, kind of, yeah. Kind of yeah. really like, good oh, we have premise. a gimmick here. Yeah. But unfortunately, I just don't think it, I don't think it was very successful. And I've, which is a shame to me because I've seen a lot of, particularly with my involvement with Viscera, mm-hmm. I've seen some really good horror films from the female perspective and I don't think that these really did anything with that. Um, there's a, there's a uh, man. There's so there's so many different things that you can do with that. So many good things that you can do with that. And I just don't feel like any of these really um, took advantage of that. Showcased it. Yeah. yeah. It just it. And the first story in particular, I just felt like it went nowhere. Um, I don't know. I, I, Overall, it just was kind of empty. I yeah. just that's the that's the feeling I came away with after watching it. I, I just felt like it was a, a a really wasted opportunity. And yeah. Um, and then I'm like, and I'm, then I was kind of like, damn, is this what people are going to be using as the litmus test for, for <laughs> female horror makers? Fuck. I know, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was not impressed, which made me sad because yeah. I was kind of hoping for something really good. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, but uh, I was blown away mm-hmm. by The Devil's Candy this year. Mm. Um, oh, that's a depressing it, movie. It's fucking good, though. Um, I, oh my God. It, David, you mm. will appreciate it. I, this is a, the thing I love about this film is it is a film in which metal is a huge part, mm-hmm. but. It does something interesting in that metal is the is sort of the hero of the film rather than the uh, rather than the reason for you know every, it's like you know devil's music blah blah right. blah it's always the bad thing you know this it's it does some really interesting things with this it's visually stunning mm-hmm. Ethan Embry oh my god he's, he's incredible he is the reason I would recommend that movie uh, him and the girl uh, Kiara Glasgow. Is her name yes, who plays yes. the daughter are both oh, she's so fantastic. Good. I love their I love the family. I love everything about this. I love that that I feel sympathy for our antagonist here. I I actually want to hug him at parts, and 
it's considering the things that he does throughout this film, if you can make me want to do that with a character like that, then I think you've done something right. I, I that is right now it is firmly seated at my number one for the year. Wow. And I was, I was blown away. So <clears throat> I absolutely as, love it. as a counterpoint, I would not be, I would not be that uh, effusive about my enjoyment of the movie. I thought it was really good. I think there are there are elements of the of that movie that are absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't think it ends particularly well. Um, I, I felt like the the resolution, like the truly the last like shot of that movie, felt like it was a little too easy. And and I wish there. I don't know. Like, I don't feel like a, a movie should go out of its way to explain itself all that often. Right. But I, I do feel like there were some threads in that movie that weren't paid off terribly well. Um, but that said, you should absolutely watch it. Okay. I, I, I definitely think it's a movie worth seeing. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Also, Split. If you haven't seen Split... I have not. I, I really loved that film, too. So... Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. I need to. I what? But, like I've I have uh, here's why I haven't seen it because the premise alone makes me laugh. I think it's I think it's really silly. And as long as the movie is acknowledges the silliness of it, then I'm okay. But I think by the time you get to the end, you kind of realize it does okay. in a in a in a uh <sighs> Has anyone spoiled the end for you? I don't know the very ending. I know that there okay. is, there are ties to M Night oh. Shyamalan and Ding Dong's other films. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. Oh my God! It is so worth it just for the very last thing. Okay. It's just. Well. I mean, it, it, it's kind of funny <laughs> because when we were watching it, Brian's like, "Oh, I don't want to." He was he was grumbling about some things about it, and then we got to the very the very last thing, and he's like, "Oh, well, then, ouch! All right, that changes everything." So it's it's it it. Once you once you get to where you're going, then you realize, uh, yeah, it, there are some silly aspects to it, but it's um, it it's it knows what it's doing. Okay, I'll. It, like any time an adult acts like a child, <laughs> it I think that's kind of patently ridiculous. Uh, and I know that one of the personalities is a kid. Yeah. Um, so like it's hard for me not to giggle during that stuff. I'm, I'm But James McAvoy, by the way, another amazing performance that he is he blew it away. He just He's great. I was yeah. I was astounded. I like holy crap. He's uh, I didn't realize the the range that he had, but it's he's so good. I mean just woo wee. I mean, if he doesn't get some kind of recognition for this role or roles, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it'll be a damn shame because uh, he was amazing. Who so. is the girl? Is, is it the girl from The Witch that's in that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 I saw. I saw uh, Morgan just because uh, she was in it, and that was a, a mistake. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> It's not a very good movie at all, <laughs> but but uh, uh, Anya Taylor Joy—that's her name. Um, I, I'm I think that she is going to be a a big name at some point. She I, I, after I the witch so and too. even in Morgan, like she's really good in Morgan, despite that movie being real stupid. Yeah, I think she definitely needs to. If she doesn't go places, then something is wrong because she has some clear talent. But, okay, well, those are my standouts. So, 
Cool. All right. Uh, All right can I can yeah. I ask one more question yes. of the table, yes, and yes, then, yes. then I'll shut up. I swear. <laughs> uh, have, have any of you seen The Void? Yes. No. Yes. Mm. I've heard it's really good. That's. I don't know that. No that's wait. Great. No, I'm thinking. <laughs> of a different movie. I don't know that that's correct. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking right, of Enter the you, Void. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I. I liked it. I really liked it quite a bit, but I didn't love it. And uh, Brian is completely opposite. He absolutely loves that film that I think is his number one. He was was over the moon for it. I, I thought it was really good, but I just didn't love it. Okay. I haven't seen that one yet. Different movie. Sorry. I, my problem with that movie is that it, it is bending over backwards to be a carpenter film so much <laughs> that it forgets to actually tell its own story. Ah. And I, I think also, and this may have been a result of the fact that I was streaming the movie or whatever, but holy, holy fuck, that movie is dark. Um, there, there were moments when I was watching that where I was like, I understand that you're doing all practical effects and that's very cool. But how about you throw some lighting on some of those so we can actually see them? <laughs> so maybe I, I can get myself a gander of all the shit you've been talking up about how great your your practical effects are. Um, so I kind of want to give that movie a, a, another day in court once I can I can get my hands on a Blu-ray of it just to just to see if maybe as a result of the print they were using for the stream or something like that was. Uh, was a little off on the uh, the gamma, hmm. but uh, and, like there are a couple of characters that show up that you're like, man, this would be. I wish these characters, um, and it, like it's the the father and son characters, Jamie. Like when they meet their mm-hmm. end, it's it was like, where are they again? What the fuck is going on? Why am I caring about this? I like I don't know anything <laughs> about what led them to this place. So when they show up in you know this alternate room or whatever, I don't know what the fuck that's about. And I, yeah, I mean there are uh, there are a lot of things about it that I I like, um, but I I don't know that it's necessarily a good movie. I think I think that it. I wish that the style weren't didn't feel like such the point of it. Mm. You know, um, much like uh, shit. What was another movie? I, oh, uh, uh, Harbinger Down, uh, oh, yes. where they were like, yeah. "Hey, this is going to be all practical effects, and it's going to be you know very Carpenter esque." Um, and I, w- I would, I would levy the same charge against Almost Human. I think that all of those movies fall into the same oh, camp yeah. of, you know, you are definitely trying to be a a Carpenter film. But the whole point of that is that Carpenter did his own thing. Right. And that's what gave him his own style. And that you're aping yeah. a Carpenter movie and whipping a little extra Lovecraft into it is cool. It just doesn't necessarily I like I all the ingredients are there for that to be amazing and I don't I don't think it quite comes out. But I think Har Har not Harbinger Down. Um Almost Human is the worst offender of that. Yeah, that was because really to bad. me that that felt like nothing more than a mishmash of of just things pulled directly from either Carpenter or even that I, I felt some fly uh, some of the fly in that one. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, 
Although that had a tentacle attached to somebody's vajayjay, and again, I ain't seen that before. Uh, at least yeah, outside well, of anime. anime. Um, <laughs> Our Ranger like, Down, I thought, had potential, but it really just... Uh, oh, man. Yeah, I, it was also a pretty bad offender in that respect, and I was hoping that would end up being better, and I, I was kind of disappointed by that one. Yeah. And I, I would argue like beyond the gates falls into that camp as well. Of, now, see, like, I actually really liked beyond it. It does. It, it absolutely does. But I still enjoyed that film uh, probably more than most people. I think I, from, from the other grumblings I've heard about that film, most people didn't seem to like it as much as I did. So um, I, I guess I just had some sort of, I, I don't know. It, it hit something in the right spot for me, but I really liked that one. I need to watch it again because I, I fell asleep watching Beyond the Gates. I was like, why isn't why isn't Barbara that before? You're in not this the one? first one. <laughs> uh, yeah, that movie takes a while to get going, and again, it's it's hampered by the fact that the performances aren't necessarily great by the leads. Right. And and at a certain point, my brain shut down. It was just like, nope, nope, nope. Like the the shutters fell over the eyes it was like look your your brain has taken in enough homage films for one month yeah. we're, we're shutting <laughs> this down yeah. oh i just remembered i saw um what was it housebound oh that's good oh i yeah. like that i don't remember a lot about it right now but because it was a couple of months <laughs> ago, it, I, it just it popped into my head that i'd seen that and i saw um house at the end of time and I remember more of that one. I mean, Housebound was good. I just, I'm drawing a blank on what the fuck that movie was about. It was good, though. And then House of the End of Time was all right. It, you kind of, if you've seen Time Crimes, you'll kind of know what the hell's going on pretty quickly. But it's still... You mean Los Cronos Crimenes? Yes. But it's still a very, it was actually a very entertaining movie. And uh, it was a good story. So it's on, I think it's on Netflix. So if you haven't seen House of the End of Time, give it a watch. Yeah, I I certainly will. But that's again one of those things that's been on my list. And yeah, you know. yeah, it's worth it's it it's worth the hour hour and a half whatever it is to watch. You know, it's a nice little foreign film. And like I said, if you've seen Time Crimes, you'll kind of figure it out pretty quickly. It's but still good stuff. All right, we'll be right back and with the news. Yeah, talk about some news. There's news happening all the time. DTP's gonna talk about it. Is that our new theme song for the I, news? I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you threw some bass under there and auto-tune my voice. You got yourself a, a theme song. <laughs> I might try that. <laughs> I wouldn't even worry about the auto-tune. That voice is golden. Yeah, I know. I just need to come up with a beat. Yeah, it's silky smooth. No, no doubt about that. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you want me to? Are we ready? Yeah. Go, go. Tell the people about the news. Oh, okay. Ah, I'm so excited. <clears throat> it's been so long. All right, we are back, and it is time for the news. I, I never honestly thought I would say those words again. You know what that's like? That's unreal. Uh, I'm so excited. Well, our let's get let's get right there. This first piece actually takes me back. I know, right? You know, um, that's really special because it 
takes me back to old DTP, but uh, it's Dylan Dog, beloved alien comic. A- alien. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that takes me back to. <laughs> yeah, this all all coming back to me now. Yep. Four words in, y'all. Four words in. <laughs> Some quality, quality Jamie Jenkins uh, <laughs> talking about. Beloved. It- <laughs> right straight from the head brain. Yep. Beloved Italian comic gets an Austrian produced new series. Austrian director Kevin Kopaka and his partner Alex Bakshev have now finished production on the pilot of Dylan, their new proposed and proudly unauthorized, well, isn't that special, series inspired by Tiziano Sclavi's cult Italian horror noir comic Dylan Dog. That long-running book was adapted as the authorized 2011 film Dylan Dog Dead of Night, which we covered on this show. Yes, we did. A film, a film that seemingly missed the point and allure of the comic book. Sclavi also wrote the Italian meta-zombie film Della Morte Della More, uh, which also has a connection to this show, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Cemetery Man. And the lead actor, Rupert Everett, was the inspiration behind the character, Dylan Dog. After cover artist Claudio Villa saw him in the 1984 thriller, Another Country. In some ways, Della Morte Della More is a sort of unofficial entry in the Dylan Dog universe. Dylan Dog is a nightmare investigator who, together with his unique assistant, solves cases dealing with the unknown and the paranormal, often involving bloodshed and surreal dream worlds. Kopaka is a huge fan of the comics, but due to copyright reasons, his series Dylan had to change the name of the characters, though the essence of the comics is kept alive as much as possible. The 30-minute pilot, titled Dream of the Living Dead, directed by Kopaka, is now done and available on YouTube on the director's channel, quote, who still exists, end quote. Yes, that is the uh, name of his channel. (coughs) I'm interested. I want to see it. Um, It's unfortunate that it's unauthorized, but... I'd still, I'm still interested to see. Interesting thing that the that the main character is still called Dylan. Yeah, well, they can get they can get around that. That's you can call a character Dylan, and they is he like Dylan Cat? <laughs> or, or Dylan Canine, right? <laughs> I'm interested as well. Um, of course, like I said, we did cover uh, the film on the show. Mm-hmm. And then, we also uh, did we the... actually ever talk about Cemetery Man? I want to say we did. I think we did as well, but um, I'd have to look at the uh, the, the, the head Facebook. brain is foggy sometimes. Yeah. Um, but then of course there is the there is the Twitter tie-in mm-hmm. to you. Yep. And yeah, and then and the, yeah, the Dead Dylan Dog movie was not very good, which was disappointing. And Cemetery Man is certainly closer to the tone of the Dylan Dog comics. Um, so I'm hoping that this actually nails that more than the American movie did, because I didn't. They missed the point a lot. It was real bad, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I love Cemetery Man. Oh, yeah, that was really good. I have almost no memory of Dylan Dog. You... Mm, that might have been before you were... I don't remember 
I want to say we we uh, I want to say it was a double feature. I think feature that was episode. when it was just. Uh, I think it I was just the two was of just us. us. Yeah. Because yeah. I want to say that was fairly early on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that that makes me feel better. Although it doesn't rule out the fact that I've seen it as recently me talking about watching Sadako 3D <laughs> where David rightfully was like, Hey asshole, we did that on devour. And I was like, Oh, right. Yeah. But it wasn't until like the last 30 minutes that I remember <laughs> anything about that movie. You know, though I, I do that all the time. And part of the, part of the problem is that I can't, ever remember did i talk about that on that show or was it another show did we especially if things are several years removed yeah um that's when i actually end up looking to the listeners because they always know what i did more than i do like yeah, right? <laughs> and it was like, uh, uh episode 23 we did uh cemetery man and dylan dog together okay so yeah that was post bow prebo i mean prebo prebo yeah. prebo that's what i said um prebo <laughs> Yeah, because Bo That's didn't what I'm changing my name to. come until uh, episode 30 with uh, VHS and the baby. That is correct. And then we jumped right... Oh, shit, that's right. Then we jumped right into the uh, Final Destination movies. Yeah. Ah, <sighs> uh, the that's memories. A, oh, boy. That's a slog. Uh, yeah. Actually, you know what? I, uh, that's bullshit. The Final Destination movies overall are, are some of the most consistently, at least, entertaining. Yeah. Mo- oh, absolutely. Like movies it's, of any franchise. Oh yeah, it's that one of my favorite franchises. I think it it probably the easiest one we got holds through. its own. Yeah. Oh boy, that Hellraiser series. Okay, well, Oof. Christ. All right, all right. <laughs> oh my lord. Moving on to the next bit, uh, Paramount Television and Anonymous Option and Rice and what? Oh. <laughs> Okay, hey, look, <laughs> anonymous option. By the way, is not the name of a company. I was like, <laughs> uh, this will make more sense when I read it correctly. Paramount Television and Anonymous Option and Rice's Vampire Chronicles. <laughs> okay. Uh, Paramount Television and Anonymous Content have optioned the rights to eleven books from acclaimed author Anne Rice's best-selling series, The Vampire Chronicles. Christopher Rice, four-time New York Times best-selling author and recipient of the Lambda Literary Award, will pen the series and serve as executive producer alongside Anne Rice and Anonymous Contents' David Cantor and Steve Golan. Quote, it is undeniable that Anne Rice has created the paradigm against which all vampire stories are measured. The rich and vast world she has created with the Vampire Chronicles is unmatched and sophisticated with 90s gothic undertones that will be perfectly suited to captivate audiences. That is said by Amy Powell, president of Paramount TV. And she goes on, the series is full of compelling characters led by Lestat, arguably one of the greatest original characters, literary or otherwise. We are thrilled to collaborate with Anne, Christopher, and the team at Anonymous Content on this epic series. I'm not sure if I would call Lestat one of the greatest original characters, literary or otherwise. I mean, that is a huge, huge umbrella. Yeah. But, you know, he's all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, then, mean, I like him. I yeah. like him. And then, like the rest of this is all just for further quotes from people talking about how great the books are. And the the I don't know. I I stopped reading them after. Like I read interview with the vampire. I thought that was good. I started Vampire Lestat and got bored. 
I've never picked them up again. Um, I know apparently Lestat found the Atlanteans in the newest book or some shit. Yeah, I, so like, that's I thought it turned out that they were all aliens or some shit. I, I guess, maybe? I, 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 mean, I don't whatever. know. I, who, I, who I haven't, possibly care? Exactly. Do you think that these va- that the that the Anne Rice vampires, the gothic 90s emo-ness of... <laughs> Of, uh, I guess pre emo, um, well, hell, goth vampire emo, it's all the same as, as we have learned from South Park. But <laughs> do you, do you think that that is that is relevant today? Do you think that that sort of vampire would survive in an adaptation today? I don't. I'm, I'm not saying it would or wouldn't. I'm just throwing the question out there. I would argue that the Anne Rice style of vampires is almost uniquely suited to m- the millennial generation. Yeah, that's true. And and that is neither good nor bad. It just I is. I think it just is. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, not necessarily the, you know, frilly cuffs and collars and stuff, uh, but just that sort of self self-interest self uh mo- self-motivated sort of introspection and yeah. and woe is me kind of shit like yeah. and the stuff that i don't like about the Anne rice books is what i think will would make that show potentially very popular yeah but I but i think you're right that all right so where where is this gonna air have they said is, uh, are they just developing it i this, this seems they're just developing it because the other thing is, like the the audience that you're shooting for with this, theoretically, mm. aside from middle aged women who grew up with the Anne Rice stories and always right. wanted Lestat to go down on them, right? Uh, that group aside, if you're going after a millennial audience, where do you put that show? Maybe Netflix, yeah, I, I or HBO. You, you can't. I think you'd do, have, you 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 couldn't do it on basic cable. Yeah, it would have to be a little naughty. Yeah. And but then again, if you told me there were a bunch of like sexy vampire ladies in a show, I might watch that and ignore everything else. <laughs> Boy, let's I know. Well, um I mean, True Blood lasted for fucking ever, so Yeah, I was going to say, well, Bo hung on to that even past the point when he was interested in it. He still <laughs> he still managed to hang in until you watched that through the, through the end, didn't you? Yeah, I saw every episode of True Blood, good and bad. Uh, but, you know, even at True Blood's worst, it had a sense of humor about itself and and kind of recognized the ridiculousness of it being a show about vampires and werewolves and whatnot. Right. And and there's something so self-serious about those Anne Rice books. Yeah. That is... You know, I, I hesitate to call it grimdark, but it it it's kind of proto. Little... It, it's like proto grimdark, yeah. And and also, I bristle a little bit about it being one of the best, like the touchstone of vampire lore and that kind of thing. It's maybe like, eh. in the nineties. Like, yeah, but even then, like, um... like I, I would say, like, it certainly had its. It definitely, you can definitely feel its influence through the. Like into the eighties and into the early nineties, it's definitely there. Like I mean, I, de- I think the Lost Boys definitely has some owes some debt to Anne Rice's vampires, sure, in a sure. way, just through osmosis. And I think it, it, that kind of this the introspective vampire became a thing because of that. 
but I don't, I don't know. Maybe this is, maybe if this might actually work for that Twilight crowd of pretty vampires. Oh God. I'd almost forgotten about Twilight. Right. You will never forget um, that, that series. Uh, I, well, and I only watched what one of them. I don't know. Oh, I've I don't seen all I of them. Watched the last one's the best. It's fucking hilarious. I just watched the one. I just watched the first one again, like a month or two ago. Oh, hold could, up. Well, does it? Uh, no, it took me like four or five days to watch it. Yeah, I don't know. It's real bad. Did you? Yeah. Uh, David, I think you actually saw me when I was posting about it on Facebook, didn't you? And I was like, I think so. well, I got another 20 minutes in. And what would happen is Brian would come wandering into the room and he's like, nope. <laughs> so right. I yeah. Have to, you you have to watch it with the riff tracks. Later. <laughs> that's, that's, literally, you, that's the only way you can get those fucking movies with, with riff tracks. Because uh, he was actually reviewing them for something years ago, and the only way he could get through them was to watch the Rift Tracks yep. versions. Yep, because they're so awful. It's it's yeah, it's really really bad. But you know, um, I, I think your generation goes. Then yeah, this might be something that they would lap up. Yeah. Um, it's possible. I mean, it's. I think the. It's always, I think the, the 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 previous adaptations we've had have been modern for their time. Um, like Interview was in '94, and it felt it still feel. I mean, it feels dated now, but it certainly yes. captures the time and place of '94. And it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then Queen of the Day, and it's still terrible. a totally watchable movie. Yeah, it, like there's enough good in that movie to to get right. You um, you know, and then uh, Queen of the Damned is real bad. Um, but again, they updated yeah. it, so it's like, all right, if you if they can manage to update it enough and not fuck it up too bad, it could be interesting. So I don't know. Well, I think yeah, I think you're right about interview. Even though the book was published in '76, it never, when you're watching the film, the '94 film, it never feels like a, it, it never feels like a product of the '70s. It, it right. feels totally current to that time so um to its credit you know yeah. i think it and i think, I think book, it does a good the, job with that the book did, when i remember reading the book it didn't it felt fairly modern i think they, they, I don't yeah know exactly i, I actually was surprised um because i had read a couple of the books before i realized how old they were yeah and um because it was in the i started reading them in the late 80s and i I sort of I was kind of all over the place too as far as order goes because I actually mm-hmm. started with the first one I read was Tale of a Body Thief. Okay. And then I went back and read. I think Interview was probably like the third one I read. It was kind of weird. I was I just was kind of picking them up and reading them as I found them. But I was surprised to learn that they were as old as they were because I didn't. It didn't feel that way mm-hmm. when I was reading the books. It just didn't feel like they felt very current. So. Maybe she just has a a good way. And and it's admittedly been about that long since I have read any of Anne Rice's work. So I don't if I were to go back and try to read them now, I don't know what it would feel like, but uh, perhaps she just has a way of of making everything feel sort of timeless. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they should make them hipster vampires. And then <laughs> They'll all just sit around, uh, you know, drinking 
blood out of PBR glasses and. <laughs> I thought hipsters weren't a thing wearing... anymore. Yeah, you know. I don't, know. I don't know. I still see them. I still see them on well, YouTube. Well, you're in. Well, okay. So. I was like, well, you're in middle America. It takes a while um, for it to well, dissipate we, out there. Well, no. I mean, like we watch a. <laughs> aha. We watch a lot of. Uh, we watch more YouTube than TV out here, uh, and a lot of these YouTubers, like the news people, they're still very hipsterish. And I'm like, I that are you really? Are you guys still doing that? All right. Um. <laughs> but I don't know what is. I don't know what the thing is today. Um. Actually, interestingly, uh maybe not interestingly i don't know but it's sort of related in a goth way i was watching um the uh i, I was watching some marilyn manson videos last mm. night just because and then there i ran across the fine brothers did a teens react to marilyn manson video and it was actually interesting because they had some 17 year olds 18 year olds and this they did this right before say 10 came out and they were Getting they basically they sat these 17, 18 year olds down in front of some Marilyn Manson videos and got their reaction to them. Mm-hmm. And I was not aware that they that kids that age wouldn't know who he was. Like I I just didn't I figured you would know something, you know. So and it, like a couple of them were like, Oh, that's the song my dad used to play all the time. And I'm like, Oh, fuck me. Yeah. And then <laughs> Yeah, I can't but, watch those videos. Uh, a majority of them were like, what is going on here? And who is this guy? And he is creepy. And I was like, interesting. So maybe, I don't know, maybe the whole goth thing would not uh, resonate. I, I don't know, because they seemed a little bit turned off by it. They thought it was a little too creepy. So maybe teenagers these days are away, have turned away from creepy. Uh, it's I possible. don't even know. I mean, I don't know any, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's kind of tough because, like, I, I like I said, I can't watch those fucking react videos because they just infuriate me. I just I, they make me so angry. Oh god, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. They make me so mad at those fucking kids. I turn into, I just turn into an old man when I watch those videos. Just like, goddamn kids, you don't understand. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I've ever. You don't. I, I've ever they're, seen them. They're infuriated. They basically they they get you know some teenagers and they show them something. You know, it's either like an old co- video game console or, you know, just shit that you're like, oh yeah, that thing, and then they react to it and you're just like, I want to strangle you because you're a fucking idiot who doesn't understand anything. Don't the the Nirvana one was infuriating. Oh God, uh, but no, I mean, I don't really. I wouldn't exp- like Manson hasn't really been big since like the mid 2000s i mean he's still putting out albums but he hasn't he stopped being the cultural boogeyman a long time ago and that was kind of his big deal well yeah i just figured that you'd have some sort of i mean people still know who elvis presley is right i don't know i mean he obviously he wasn't that big but it i think the 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 other part of it is that the internet has changed how the younger generations are getting information and well, that's what they're true. what they're being exposed to. Well, yeah, and now you can actually pick and choose what you're exposed exactly. to. Exactly, you, you have the luxury of only being exposed to those things which interest you. Right. So, so it doesn't surprise me at all that, that they wouldn't that. wouldn't know who Marilyn Manson is and or any of this stuff. But it's still like it's so oh god, it just it bugs the shit out of me. It really does. Um, anyway, stop talking about yeah. how these damn kids need to get off our lawns. <laughs> well anyway so that'll be interesting to see how that goes and yes. i'll be i'll be interested to check it out because uh i'm always uh, i'm always willing to give something a shot so yeah it could um, be good yeah 
Okay, well, moving on. Uh, this could be exciting. Jordan Peele signs first look deal with Universal. Um, I'm high on Jordan Peele right now. So, uh, apropos of the conversation tonight, I, right? That's right. Uh, Universal Pictures announced on May 3rd that the studio has entered into a first look production agreement with writer, director, performer, and Emmy Award winning producer Jordan Peele and his Monkey Paw Productions banner. Peele's debut feature, Universal's Get Out, opened number one at the domestic box office in February. The thriller has become a commercial and critical success, grossing more than $194 million worldwide. Incidentally, being the first Bloomhouse, was it Bloomhouse? Yeah. The yeah, first sure Bloomhouse yeah. production to hit $100 million. So, wow. um that was, or at least at, at, as quickly as it did, or something like that. It was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and now stands as the highest grossing movie ever for a feature debut. Well, that's it. good for him. From a From writer, a writer to, director yeah. with an original screenplay. That's still uh, the that's announcement. Really impressive. Yeah, that's good. The announcement was made by Donna Langley, chairman of Universal Pictures. And here's the quote. Uh, Through extraordinary imagination and fearless humor, Jordan has proven himself to be a game changer who is driven to tell stories that are as commercially entertaining as they are disruptive and provocative. The entire Universal family takes great pride in his incomparable filmmaking debut and feel fortunate that this studio will be Jordan's home for many years to come. Under the new First Look deal, Universal is developing Peele's next film, an untitled social thriller, which he will write, direct, and produce based on his original idea. In addition, Peele will also produce a wide range of films for the studio through his Monkey Paw Productions, including several micro-budget projects, on which he will partner with Jason Bloom as he did on Get Out. Uh, And he said, he said, I'm incredibly honored to be participating with, I'm sorry, just kidding, partnering with Donna, Peter, and all of the brilliant folks at Universal. I am thrilled to continue the work we started together on Get Out, pushing the boundaries of storytelling, not only on the next film, but with all of Monkey Paw's future projects. Monkey Paw Productions was founded by Peel in 2012 with the aim to tell stories in comedy, horror, and all genres in between, and to give platforms to untapped voices in those mediums. Previously in television, Monkey Paw Productions, Key and Peel on Comedy Central and upcoming as the Tracy Morgan comedy series at TBS. In addition to Get Out in the feature space, Monkey Paw previously produced Keanu. And so, uh, and then it goes on to talk about uh, his, just a little bit about his career, but uh, that's exciting. I was really hoping that the next thing he did would be uh, kind of in the same vein mm-hmm. of, of what he did that we'll be talking about tonight. Yes. And we'll find out why uh, I, I hoped that and when we actually <laughs> talk about it, but um, that's exciting to me. And I'm also really thrilled that it did as well as it did. Yeah. Yeah. What, definitely one of those movies uh, that I think, you know, earned the success that, that it, it received. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Peele has immediately become a director that I don't care what his next movie is about. I just want to see it. Yeah. I don't know. I like. I, I feel like saying anything more just kind of dumps into the conversation. Conversation yeah, we're gonna yeah, have yeah. about Get Out, but so you know, stick around, listeners. I think uh, I think you might get the impression that we all liked it. Yeah. 
So good on him, and I'm I'm looking forward to whatever he does next. Yeah, and and he'd been saying even before this deal was announced that he had sort of a slate of movies in mind that were all sort of social mm-hmm. issue films, and you know if he can handle it with as deft a touch uh, as he did with Get Out, then yes, please. Yes. Okay, well, we have one more piece, and that is Insidious Chapter 4 and Half to Death release dates announced. I know I'm at least excited about one of those. Uh, Universal and Sony... Uh, Sony's uh, <laughs> Universal Pictures and Sony Pictures Insidious Chapter 4 will move from October 20th, 2017 to Friday. Je- oh man, no, really? Damn, god damn it, to January 5th, 2018. That just that just wow, Insidious just got old yellowed. Oh, the film that the film. T- God, I can't get... Oh, man, Lord. That's what happens when I don't read ahead. That's... <laughs> ah. The film takes the place of the previously announced untitled Bloomhouse Horror Project. <laughs> Meanwhile, Universal Pictures Half to Death, also from Bloomhouse, will be released on October 20th, 2017. Wow, so they actually pushed it back in the untitled horror pro- now this is that's interesting because this is a known quantity that they are pushing back to a january date to fill the spot of untitled right and then they're bringing another one in to take its release date oh that scares me uh the chapter four release date makes it the only movie currently sitting on that post new year's date well, maybe that'll give it something. I don't know. Half to Death will open against the Ger- the Gerard Butler sci-fi thriller Geostorm, uh, the Idris Elba romance The Mountain Between Us, and the Greg Kinnear drama Same Kind of Different as Me. Those all seem like fake movies. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> yeah. Like, those are like movies that I would see in movies, you know? Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm all for Idris Elba, but everything about the description of those movies is like, oh, well, those are four movies I don't ever have to see. That's great. (laughs) The creative minds behind the the hit Insidious trilogy returns for Insidious Chapter 4 in the supernatural thriller, which welcomes back franchise standout Lynn Shea. Yay, as Dr. Elise Rainier. The brilliant parapsychologist faces her most fearsome and personal haunting yet in her own family home. The film is written by co-creator Lee Winnell, who wrote the trilogy and directed Chapter 3. And co-creator James Wan, and directed by series newcomer... Oh, no, see, that's a... Adam Robitel. Um, oh, but, oh, but who did The Taking of Deborah Logan? So, that's, that's, that's good news. I love that movie. Uh, Steven Schneider, Brian Cavanaugh-Jones, Charles Layton, Bailey Conway... Angle Wicks, Cooper Samuelson, and Winnell serve as executive producers. Damn, that's a lot. Uh, Sony Pictures Worldwide Acquisitions is financing Insidious Chapter 4, and domestic distribution will be handled by Universal. Sony will handle international distribution. God, the filmmaking business has gotten so fucking complicated. Yep. It, it really has. And everything's um, owned by Comcast. Uh, Bloomhouse produces an original and inventive rewinding thriller in Half to Death in which a college student 
relives the day of her murder with both its unexceptional details and terrifying end until she discover her killer's identity. Oh, so it's like Groundhog Day, but with death. Half to Death is directed by Christopher Landon of Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. More importantly, <sighs> directed uh, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, which I think is a, oh. a tremendously fun movie. Yeah, that that really is. That really is. And it stars Jessica Roth of La La Land. So, I'm just really I'm 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 uh, I'm kind of taken aback by this whole shuffling around and the push for maybe they I mean maybe they just feel that Insidious is strong enough to put in the January spot and they'll want to give this one an October date to to kind of push it forward. I'd well, like to that's, think that's the reasoning. Yeah, like that's the kind of the the this the thing with January. It's like nothing comes out in January, so it's like okay, you can put a horror movie out in January and make good money on it because we've seen that repeatedly. They've dumped garbage in January, and the, the horror movies always manage to make pretty good money. So maybe they're pushing yeah, that because they're. I hope that they're not. I hope that they're not seeing it as dumping garbage. That's no, the no, no. I mean, I think I, it could be, be just that. I think they're they're thinking okay, let's, yeah, they're trying to make. They're thinking they're going to make more money this way because we're not. I don't. I don't know what the October slate looks like, but I'm sure it's probably there's probably a few horror movies coming out in October. So maybe they're trying to play play it safe, or maybe they're just like, eh, fuck it. This is the last step before Insidious goes direct to video. I don't know. Right. Oh, there's only two thirds of a good movie in all of this series, so <laughs> let's just take it out to pasture. Yep. You shut your mouth, Ransdell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to fight you on the first day back. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. Insidious, like the first Insidious, fine. If you're a, a, if you're a big fan of that movie, by all means. Everything after that, you got a lot of splaining to do. <laughs> uh. But I, I and but I agree. I don't. I don't necessarily think that. Um, what, what is it? What's the name? That half to death. Half I don't death. necessarily think that sounds all that good either. So no. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. You know, I'm not just dunking on Insidious here. I think that. I, like again, you know, we all like uh, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse here, and he also directed the uh, Paranormal Paranormal Activity Four, um, the marked ones, which I thought was a much better uh, Paranormal Activity movie. That than was five. Two... Was it? Oh, who cares? All right, so yeah. so but that yeah, was better than three was... or four. Yes, it was. It was. I I and so. Yeah, uh, of all the ones past the the first couple to have claimed to have directed, that's the one you want. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Now, does anyone remember that movie with Lindsay Lohan? I know how I. I, I know who killed me. I know yeah. who killed me. I know it exists. I haven't seen it. Um. All right. Yeah, I never saw it either. But it <laughs> sounds like that. It. I always thought that the premise of that film would be something like this. Um even though I never watched it. <laughs> so, damn it. Did you ever see it, Bo? No, 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 no. Ah, damn. All right. Well, never mind. Uh, yeah. Again, it was one of those things, like, I heard how god-awful it was, and I was like, yeah, no, don't need to see that. All right. Yeah, me too. 
All right. Well, at least I know I have something to watch in January then, because um, if there is an Insidious film out there, I will be seeing it. That's just the way I roll. I can't help I, it. I'm funny. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> You know my love for all things Juan, and um, particularly Insidious and the Conjuring franchises. I love them both, so. I don't know. Is the Conjuring a franchise? Does two count as a franchise? They're (laughs) spinning those movies off like crazy, so. Oh, God, that Nun movie just looks unwatchable. (laughs) It's going to be Annabelle, except worse. Which I don't know how that's possible. And they're doing a sequel to fucking Annabelle? Are you kidding me? I know. I don't know Uh, who thought that was a good idea. But I also didn't know who thought was a good idea to make a sequel to Ouija, only that was actually not that bad. So, aside from the very last shot of that movie, that is real solid. Yeah. Thank you for that, though, because I I agree with that, too. I just, I was not, um, I was not all about the, honestly, I wasn't all about the very end of it. I'd say the last 10 minutes or so. Um, but other than that, I was really into that film. And it's that's because Flanagan. Yeah. He, he, um, yeah, he can, he can hardly do any wrong as far as I'm concerned. So, um, yeah, but I was really surprised when they're like, yeah, Mike Flanagan's coming back to do the Ouija 2. And I'm like, what the fuck? Uh, like, why is anyone doing that? Who told you that was a good idea? No one liked the first one. No one. No one. Even Wheezy from Bates Motel didn't like the first one, I'm sure. Sure. But um, anyway, um, so we'll see, I guess. We'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, I'll be there, so. <laughs> yeah, report back. <laughs> and i i don't need like a whether you liked it or not because y- you know you're a little a little biased i would argue uh, yeah. but yeah. i what i need you to do <laughs> is say it is better and or worse than insidious two or three and if you tell me that it's not as good as that then i know that 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 watching insidious four would lead me to becoming a cutter you did not like Insidious Three. I really no. Liked... Oh <laughs> no! No, I. That was a tough set for me. I I can understand not liking Insidious Two. I get that. Uh, well, I've heard a lot. I've heard enough of it from various people, so I kind of get it. But I just I I thought Three was. I really liked it. Huh. All right I, then. I mean. I want those movies to be good because, again, I think the first Insidious movie up until, you know, the last 20 minutes is phenomenally good. And then after that, it's all downhill. So, and I like I, I think Insidious 2 is better than Insidious 3. But I also don't like either of them. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I like them all. So what you going to do with that? Um, I'll tell you what we're going to do with that. We're going to shut up talking about it. and Because we got other stuff to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, we do. So that Dark Tower trailer came out. That's right. That's yeah. the other thing. <laughs> so who's excited about that? I was more excited before I saw the trailer. <laughs> I'm uh, to be honest, intrigued. I have no, I have no horse in that race. I have never been interested in that property. 
I do really like Idris Elba though. So uh, yeah, I, yeah. We we talked about this on a a recent episode of Duncan Vaux. Yeah, Duncan and Bo go to Twin Peaks. Yes. And I was saying that for, for years, years I've been saying that uh, Matthew McConaughey should be Randall Flagg. Yes. In The Stand or, you know, The Man in Black and, and Dark Tower. Yeah. And as soon as I saw the trailer, I was like, mm, I might have been wrong. I think I was wrong about that. Uh, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't. I haven't finished the gunslinger yet. Maybe it's just this current iteration of him that that you weren't picturing. Maybe, <laughs> but it was when he was uh, like the he doesn't have a lot of screen time in the in the trailer. In fairness, so I may just be getting. He looked a little a gaunt to me, though. Gaunt is fine. Yeah, it's him saying like, "Did you tell him every time somebody travels with you, they die?" And I was like, mm, "No." That's not what Randall Flagg <laughs> sounds like. But that's what Matthew McConaughey sounds like. How I, can you, you, I know can't it does. It to sound like anything else. I know. No, <laughs> I, this is where I'm saying I was wrong. I was watching a, uh, a, a YouTube reaction to that trailer, which cracked me up because they're basically like, so that's, uh, and they don't know anything about the, they know nothing. They've read nothing, none of it. So mm-hmm. all they know is what the trailer is. And they're like, so I'm guessing... Matthew McConaughey is like the devil, and I guess he drives a Lincoln. <laughs> you need to get rid of that kid and come to me to visit the Crimson King, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Okay, so I, like I said, I, I haven't finished The Gunslinger. It's really good, though. Like, it's actually yeah. pretty fucking good. Um, I'm going to slog through the Dark Tower series at some point. I'm going to finish that. I'll, I'll read all of them. I'm. I know that it gets bad eventually, and that's okay. The last book is bad. Yeah. The everything up to the last book is kind of great. Right. And and it's and that's the thing. It's like I understand that like this is kind of the the window into how his universe works, and that seems really cool. And just from the trailer, I'm intrigued. McConaughey as 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 the man in black or the the dark man. I don't know yet. Because we really just we don't get a lot of, he doesn't have a lot to say in the in the trailer, um, and he doesn't really do a whole lot except wander around. Um, so I don't know about that yet. But it's also like I also don't have a huge investment in that character yet, other than just being like, oh yeah, that's Randall Flag. That's a bad. Well, that's guy. what Randall Flag does. He's the walking dude. Yeah, he shows up and fucks fuck shit up. Uh-huh. Um, I do. Truth I, I hunkered now. I yeah. do really like Idris Elba as Roland. Um, yeah. Like that, the, um, shit. When he says the line about, um, I don't kill, oh fuck. The line about forgetting his, my, forgetting I don't kill fu- with my eyes. Yeah. I, I kill with my heart. I don't kill with my hand. I kill with my mind. Yes, that's that, stuff. that was really good. And then yeah. you know, the thing about forgetting your face of your father, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm fucking in. Yes. <laughs> You know, the, but it's the, like, the weird, like the weird sci-fi portal thing seems a little awkward, but at the same time, I'm like, eh, it's Stephen King. Eh, he does stupid shit. I'm okay with that. That's fine. Like the, it's, you know, and I, and, and I did listen to you and Duncan discuss the, the trailer and it was very interesting. Um, and actually, you know, I, Duncan's, uh, 
feelings about superhero movies kind of mirror my own and just the, the, the fatigue that I have with them. Um, but I don't from just from what I picked up in the trailer, I don't think they're going to rely he- as heavily on like the inside winks that you guys were concerned about. I mean, there's definitely a shot where you can see like, there's a picture of the fucking overlook hotel and it's like, Oh, okay. So there's the fucking overlook. It's like, Oh, right. Cause all this shit's connected. Um, but I, I don't think, I, I don't think, oh, I don't think they're going to, rel- they're going to lean on it at, as just a crutch, but I kind of feel like it's also all that little shit kind of is important to the story. My, or at least my understanding of what the dark tower story is as it goes on later. Cause I know Stephen King fucking shows up in the books at one point. Yeah. That that's where it goes up its own ass in a real fundamental way. Right. Um, but there's, there's also stuff like, uh, father Callahan from the, uh, from Salem's lot mm. is an integral character in one of the books. And that's really fascinating right. because you get the story of what happened to him after he left Salem's lot. Okay. And so there, like the stuff that ties the universe together, isn't what's bad about the fifth book. It's, it becomes like once Stephen King becomes a character in his own book, that's where I kind of checked out on it. Mm-hmm. But there's still a lot of really cool stuff that ties it to um, the talisman and, you know, obvi- yeah. obviously Salem's Lot and it. And, and, and that's the other thing. Like, there's, a, there's a ton of his books I just haven't read. Yeah. So and you just start at the beginning. Start at Carrie. I have. I have read Carrie. And, and then just read on from there. I probably yeah I probably uh, should read them in uh, chronological order. Yeah, because there's going to be that middle period where you want to totally give up, <laughs> and because he's doing stuff like Cell, uh, um, kind of but, liked Cell when I read it. It's insomnia. Uh, insomnia is not very good. Which should um, be called the cure for. Oh, did the old dipsy doodle there, JJ? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, but I would argue that like Bag of Bones is a fantastic book. Mm. Oh, it is good. I okay. enjoyed that one. And I and also loved Gerald's Game. That's quite good. And Mike Flanagan is directing that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that. I did not enjoy The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Yeah. That kind of that I got kind of bored with. I didn't read that one. Um. So it just sort of. Yeah, he's mind. he's a little more scattershot in his later years. Like, yeah. there's that period when he was, after you know, he, was after the accident. Yeah, yeah, but like w- during the years when he was all coked up and just drinking at his desk all day and yeah. writing whatever came into his booze-addled mind. Yes, that's the stuff that's the most interesting. That's like Christine and Firestarter, right, and right. you know, the books that uh, and it yeah. and and all Stand that stuff. And- I think uh, Pet Cemetery was in there, wasn't I it? Think so, right? Yeah, Cujo. Firestarter was the one that he famously said he did not remember writing. I thought it was Cujo he said he couldn't remember writing. Maybe so. Yeah, you might be right. Cujo was probably the one. But... Of course, and then in in there he uh, directed uh, Maximum, Maximum Overdrive. Which... One of the greatest <laughs> movies ever committed to, to, to celluloid, in my opinion. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, I need but... to hurry up and get to my alcoholic cokehead stage so I can... God, I know, right? What was creative. the? Um, I and I think I'm stealing this from. I don't know if Stephen King said it or if I'm stealing this from Dana Gould, who talked about Stephen King saying it. But he said um, Stephen King was in an interview, and they said, "Do you think Maximum Overdrive will be the best movie of this summer?" 
And Stephen King said, I don't know if it'll be the best, but I guarantee you it'll be the loudest. <laughs> and you know what? I mean, for all its dumbness, that movie has an energy to it that is undeniable. Oh, that's good. Hey, and where else can you see kids get pegged with a Coke machine? Uh, I mean, this machine called me an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, there, there are so many things I love about Maximum Overdrive that. Uh, you know, are completely unwarranted. That that movie is not good by any measure. <laughs> but I also love it because there's just I, I don't know of another movie like it. You know, there's it's got a rockin' ACDC soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh it you know, it it's stupid as hell. It's got that green goblin truck which looks absolutely rad. It's it's Stephen uh-huh. King's fucking coked out. Okay. Got Yardley Smith screaming at the top of her lungs. Yeah, makes I'm, me want to punch, but you know. Yeah, like a waitress fucking Emilio Estevez in the <laughs> storeroom for no good reason. You want to hear something funny? Uh, you know how you know how Facebook does uh, memories. Yes. Like you you log on in the morning and it immediately shows you memories. This morning, and I'm not kidding. This morning, my memory was from three years ago today. I said. Throwing in some maximum overdrive because fuck yeah. Nice. Nice. That is absolutely the right reason to watch maximum overdrive because fuck yeah. A hundred percent. Pat Eagle chewing on that was today, you know? That's yeah. right. So now I just want to watch Maximum Overdrive again. <laughs> fuck it out. Let's get to a real movie. Oh shit. So yeah, Dark Tower. I it, I'm interested. I, I want to read the books. I'm not the the trailer was was fine. I don't I don't under, I don't understand the people losing their minds over it, but I think that's more of just people. I think that's just the internet being the internet. And also for people who have enjoyed those books for years and years and years right. and are kind of steeped. I mean, like Stephen King is one of the most best-selling authors of all time. Right. So, you know, his sort of flagship series of novels mm-hmm. even though uh, you know they're not his best books but they <laughs> they were his re- most yeah, books he'll be remembered for them no no doubt yeah so yeah i understand why people freaked out about it. like i i didn't think the trailer it didn't blow me away as a no. fan of those books but I, i'll definitely go see it because yeah. i would love to see i want to see what they do with it and more importantly i want to see if we're building up to the drawing of the three, which is the second book, I think, in the series, yeah. uh, which is one of my favorite Stephen King novels, you know, not mm-hmm. Dark Tower novels, just full stop. One of my favorite Stephen King novels. And I think Wolves of the Kala is in there as well. And I can't imagine why they would ever make that as a film, <laughs> but I wish they would because it would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the It trailer came out and that looks pretty damn good. Yeah, that looks all right. Yeah, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that. Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, so. looks fine. Didn't again didn't lose my mind about yeah, it, but I, I was like, okay. I, I, that, that... I like I said, I just I feel like maybe it's just because I'm getting old, but I I feel like the internet just overreacts to fucking everything, and like the whole the the whole industry of reaction videos on YouTube is a thing, and so I just don't buy it anymore. It's like, oh, you're you're gonna fucking react to every trailer that comes out and be like who gives a shit just who gives a shit <laughs> yeah that's uh, that is my problem in a nutshell 
Who gives a shit? Yes. Do you know who, gives, um, who does give a shit? Our listeners. Yeah, because they have some questions mm. for us. Nice mm. Landed oh, the segway. Yeah, he did. All right. So, Jerry Esposito asks, <clears throat> uh, if a lunicorn impales a drackler through the heart, <laughs> does the drackler die, even if the horn is not made of wood? I, I don't know. Uh, yes, I, because lunicorns are magical. Ah. Yeah. I have, and their I, blood is made of silver, so somehow that works. <laughs> okay. I have actually been giving this some thought. Oh, Jesus. Uh, because, you know, in fairness, I read some of these questions in advance. Not all of them, but when I see Drackler and Looney in the same post, I'm like, all right, what's what's up? I, yeah, it's, uh, it's like, you know, saying Deputy Hawk and not having the hawk sound. <laughs> You're going to have to edit that in. I'll have to send it. To you. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the screech. Um, <laughs> God damn. It's what, been one of the joys of my life. Um, okay. So I don't believe that Dracklers are killed by a, a, a stake through the heart. Okay. Um, as a rule. Uh, I'm saying, like, not Draculas. Draculas certainly can yes. be. Draclers are mostly done in by spoiled beer. Um, Lunicorns, on the other hand, are, as Jamie pointed out rightly, are magical. <laughs> also, fucking loony. <laughs> That's their name suggests. So, in, yes, in this case, I do think a lunicorn horn might be one of only a handful of ways to actually kill a Drackler. Mm. Nice. Interesting. Just, it, it, it's just tough to find them. Yeah. You know? Can Especially we give extra points to Jerry for some amazing callbacks? Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, but then you're left with situations where like, hey, I got to get down in that holler with all them damn lunicorn horns. You just, you just set them loose. Set them loose. <laughs> Get yourself a pack of lunicorns. Hard to do, I know. But it's the only way you're going to get rid of them dragglers. Um, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I think... But then you have the lunicorn problem that you have to deal with. It becomes a whole, like, you know, we sent the snake in after the rat right. and mongoose after the snake because you go from... <laughs> <laughs> talk about crossovers you're gonna go from dracklers to a lunicorn infestation which doesn't sound bad on the surface but keep in mind those things are fucking loony, loony. <laughs> anything at the drop of a hat so the only way you're gonna get uh them out of there probably fisting werewolves just saying uh, are these werewolves I'm, I'm sorry, are you fisting a werewolf, or are the werewolves the ones doing the fisting? Oh, you would love it if you were fisting the werewolves, but that is not the case. Okay. <laughs> just wanted to make, just wanted to clarify what we were talking about. Yeah, and I mean, once you've got... And also, Dracklers are sneaky. They're hiding underground, so now, even if the, the fisting werewolves get rid of the lunicorns, now you've got a minority population of Dracklers mm. and fisting werewolves. And that is not how you want to live. You're really better off just living with the Dracklers. Uh, you just have to make sure that you reinforce the plastic on the windows. Well, no, no, oh, no, it's no, all no plastic on the windows. That's the problem. Yeah. 
<laughs> you can't put the plastic on hey, the look, windows because that brings them in. <laughs> I thought they that's see, how you kept no, them out. I need to. No, I need to revamp my Drackler lore. I guess. Goddamn Dracklers! They look at that plastic, can't see themselves in it, and go right on in. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Duct tape ain't nothing, to Drackler. <laughs> well, I hope that was cleared up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> All right. Uh, Andrew Huff asks, uh, in your area, do you have any local urban legends? Growing up in northern Michigan, uh, he had the Ada Witch and the Dogman. Which, by the way, now that I am living in Michigan, although granted I am not in northern Michigan, I'm in southeastern Michigan, I don't know of either of those, and I have asked a couple people, and they don't know of them either, so I'm going to need Andrew to... Um, just contact me directly if you like. I want to hear about this stuff yeah, and yeah. Uh, let me know. Uh, from where I grew up, we had uh, no, yeah. no, none. Uh, now there was a the town that where my, where one of my best friends lived, and I used to hang out all the time. There was this road called Punkin Town Road, and um, because she lived in a backwater town, that, I'm not that, kidding. No, that before was the she lived, most southern thing you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to find yourself in a Drackler den, you go down Pumpkin Town right. Road. Not Pumpkin Town, it's Pumpkin Town. And it's actually, that's not a mispronunciation. It is actually Pumpkin Town. Like, pun, there's a punk in the yeah. town, yeah. like Pumpkin yeah, Town yeah. Road. Pumpkin uh, Town, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, right next to Drackler Holler. <laughs> so, anyway, we would drive down Pumpkin Town Road in the, it, on Friday nights when there was nothing else to do. And, and there was a story of the pig man. And supposedly the pig man lived on Pumpkin Town Road because there was nothing. This is one of those gravel roads. It's out in the middle of nowhere. There is no, There are no lights, no people, no nothing. You would just drive down there and the thing not to do. Not a single luxury. Not a <laughs> there might have been a swimming hole. Um, <laughs> See, not, a swimming, not a swimming pool. But uh, yeah, the, so... The thing to do is you drive down this road, and when you get really far down the road, then who, uh, whomever is driving, which frequently was me because I had a station wagon at the time and you could fit a bunch of people in it, um, you'd drive down until you got real far down the road, and then you'd stop the car and turn off the lights, and it would be just pitch black out there. And then, But leading up to that, you had the one guy, and uh, usually ours was a guy named Jay. He would tell the pig man story and this was this was especially effective if there was someone new in the group who didn't know it and so he'd start telling the story as soon as we started driving down the road and then when he would hit the climax of the story i'd stop the car turn off the lights it'd be pitch black and then of course you know there would come the the scare um and the i the, the story was uh the, the pig man was a vietnam vet who had come back from the war and he was called the pig man because he raised pigs and he would kill people and feed them to his pigs because he lost his mind being in the war and yada, yada, yada. And also some versions of the story included him having a face like a pig. I don't know, but he wasn't, I never really actually knew if he was an actual thing. Like if people really believed in this guy, like if he was a real legend or if he was just a story that teenagers made up and then passed along knowing full well that it was fiction um because it kind of depended kind of depended on who you talk to 
a sad gentleman with PTSD. Yeah. You know, when understood. <laughs> yeah, I know it, it's just kind of heartbreaking now, but you know, teenagers—they're assholes. Sure, um, sure. <laughs> and hell, it it really did make for a fun Friday night. <laughs> All right. What about you, Bo? Um, you know, coming from Tennessee, we heard legends of Democrats. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm kidding. Um, I know I grew up, uh, just, uh, you know, a few miles away from the bell, Witch cave. Mm. So the bell, Witch was the big local legend, obviously. I mean, big enough that it, it was nationally now, right. not just, uh, not just in my hometown. And, uh, but yeah, I grew up in Clarksville, which is, uh, you know, I mean, right down the road from Adams, Tennessee, which is where the bell, Witch cave is located. So yeah, Did I went you to ever take the last train. Um, <laughs> Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> I don't have a good response to that. Never have. Never have. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I went to the Bell Witch Cave a bunch and, you know, had all the books and, and stuff like that. And, and that was always not something that you really feared, you know, it wasn't like, well, the Bell Witch is going to come get you. Right. Uh, it was like, just don't go where she is. Don't be, don't be an asshole. And then we would go to the, the cave. Um, that was a case that always fascinated me growing up. I was always into stuff like that. And so even in like elementary and middle school, I was in the library reading about stuff like that. And I always thought the, the Bell Witch was really fascinating. Yeah. And then it, they it, made that movie and it was not very good. Uh, what was American Haunting? Yes. I think. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Terrible movie. But uh the the story itself is really something um and really terrifying you know especially at the time you know like the fact that it focused on this poor guy john bell and was just like i'm going to destroy you wreck your lands make your family suffer and that's just how it's going to go and and seemed to be a very you know directed malevolence toward towards him mm -hmm. um yeah it was i always thought that was a uh, a great legend it was cool you know probably had something to do with growing up and hearing those stories and being like i like those <laughs> those are kind of scary how do i get more right. did they have them in a store do other people have witches <laughs> can i go there uh i don't and you David, I don't think there are any. I'm not aware of any any for my town. Um, I, but then again, I'm also across the bay from San Francisco, where you know the Zodiac was running around, and yeah, right. Um, yet, yet real Le monsters. Yeah, Anton Levey lived in the city, so. Oh well, we had when I was growing up, and my area was the um, the Wayne Williams whole thing, the Atlanta child murders. Hmm. And that was kind of a horrifying thing. Even though I did not fit the demographic for what he uh, appeared to be targeting, it was very close to my home. And so because of that, my, my parents were very strict about keeping me uh, uh, just on a short leash. Yeah. Like I had to be very careful where I could play or how far I could go or they would always keep an eye on me. And it was... um. That was a very, like, a tense time. In, and I just, even as a very small child, I felt it, mm. you know. All right. Uh, let's see. Fucking, god damn it. 
Uh, Bo asked, uh, is Bo going to be there? I hate that guy. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Apparently he is. Uh, John Rhodes said he thinks he, he says, I think he's too classy to come back. And then Bo responded, right. Uh, well, clearly he's not John because he's here. That's right. He's already yeah. fighting. I, I don't know that anyone has ever referred to me as classy before, so I appreciate that. Um, so that's cool. But no, of course, I, you know, how would I not? Right. It's, it, you know, I'm, I'm as excited. Like, I hope listeners are ex- as excited as we are about being back and doing yeah. this. I, I, it blows my mind. I'm, I'm incredibly happy. Yeah. Uh, okay, John asks. For once. I know, right? <laughs> uh, so John asks, uh, "What's your who is your favorite horror host?" And he gives the examples of Elvira, Joe Bob Briggs. Um, I was always a big fan of Elvira mm-hmm. growing up. My mom and I used to watch Movie Macabre together all the time, and she was responsible for me f- knowing of and loving the film Godsend, um, or the Godsend rather the the British film, not the regrettable De Niro no. film. Um, <laughs> uh, and th- and that was, that was a really important thing to me, but I also really enjoyed for a time when I was a kid, Al Lewis was doing uh, some, he did some hosting uh, sort of as grandpa, except not really as grandpa from the Munsters. Um, he was, I don't know. It was like he wasn't grandpa, like full on grandpa, but you knew that that's who grandpa was. So he was kind of playing off that persona. But uh, he did some of that on the Superstation for a while. And I enjoyed watching that. I also really loved Joe Bob Briggs when he did his show. I thought that was a whole lot of fun. I never got to, we never had any. Well, okay. Well, the Al Lewis one was local, but we never had any. um, He was local to me, but also like, he was a uh, syndicated, so like everyone could get that. But it's, I never had like there was like Svengooly and those ones that are just like very specific to their local areas, right. and we never had one like that that uh, I could have a really close personal tie with. So that's a shame. I always wished I did. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Yeah. I didn't, I would, yeah, I didn't have like the public access guy or. Yeah. Or anything like that. So mine was kind of Elvira because I was a boy, oh. you know, and it was like, look at those movies. But also, there were beyond that, beyond, you know, just drooling over Cassandra Peterson, it was more about like taking those bad movies with a grain of salt and also kind of enjoying the badness of them. And pre MST, that was sort of. Like before, I ever saw Mystery Science Theater. There, I, I had times with my friends where we would sit around and make fun of bad movies, and I think a lot of that came less from MST, obviously, um, than Elvira, who was like, "No, no, no, it's okay to to enjoy these movies because they're so, in some ways, quaint, mm-hmm. but also just sort of goofy and inept in a lot of ways as well." And uh, so I was, I always liked Elvira, and. and um, to this day, I, I still kind of admire Cassandra Peterson for being able to, I mean, turn that shtick into a career. And, and I don't mean 
that dismissively to call it a shtick. It's just like she was she was the horror hostess, you know. Um, I always thought she was great. I liked her a lot. I, I, but I, yeah, I wish there had been like a Sphinguli or Zachary or something in my area. Yeah. Well, I grew, well, I by the time let's see, it was I know there was, uh, was it Bob Wilkins out of San Francisco, and then um, shit, the guy who writes the the creature feature book, whose name I'm drawing a blank on. Um, he was doing it for a while, um, but I, but I missed out on all this stuff. Like I was too young for it. By the time I got, by the time I was old enough to be watching this sort of stuff, they, you know, all of it was over and gone. So most of my, I wish we had stuff like that now. Yeah, the kind of you, know? you kind of do. Like, um, I think Mr. Lobo's doing stuff on Roku. Like he's got a channel in there. Um, so you know they're they're doing a lot of a lot of the the hosts are doing stuff online, but I think it's just one of those things that's kind of changed because of technology i yeah. i have to ask you guys though mm. have you seen the new mst i watched oh yeah Burp oh. but i couldn't i turned it off because i didn't want to actually didn't actually want to watch it at that point um boy i love it mm. i think it's great yeah we just uh we have been watching it pretty quickly since it aired like we've been kind of going through it as quickly as we can whenever we have spare time we just recently finished the first uh wizards of the lost world oh i haven't seen that one yet i'm still on the The lost kingdom wizards of the lost kingdom episode so yeah i'm loving it i i really am i'm telling you tears came to my eyes the first time when he did i know i know i know but I can't help it. I'm I'm a, I'm an emotional person. When they did the first the first time we watched it, and they did the robot roll call, it was actually robot roll call. I just immediately started crying. I'm like, oh my god, we're here! And yeah. I wanted so bad for them to. I knew that certain certain things would be changed, but there were things I wanted them to keep, and that was one of them. Like I I wanted them to stay as close to the original theme song as possible, and it just uh it was it was perfect. I do feel like they're a little bit rapid fire. Um, like sometimes they tell jokes that they don't need to tell just because they feel like they can't shut up for a minute, you know. Um, and it's not funny necessarily. I wish they would kind of take a breather on occasion and let it happen. It's, it's, it just doesn't seem all that natural, like a natural flow sometimes. But I did notice that in later episodes, it kind of it relaxed a little bit. Either that, or I just got used to mm. it. So I don't know. Yeah, I th- I think it, it is a little quicker paced. Uh, in terms of the the jokes being told than the old show was, mm-hmm. but man, there have been that Reptilicus episode in particular. I think is really funny. And um, oh, what was the one after the Star Crash? Oh yeah, <laughs> Star Crash is a gem. That I mean, I that is Avalanche too. Avalanche was really funny. Yeah, I mean, it's just it like if you enjoyed mystery science theater, it is that it's different, but it's as good. You know, um, I don't, and I actually kind of preferred Jonah already to Mike, <laughs> which is kind of screwed up. But I, I think that Jonah Ray does a good job as the sort of center of that show. Oh yeah, he's great, and it took me no time at all to get used to the new voices. Yeah, um, like they know it just it. it um, I just kind of settled right in. I'm I'm. It was weird at first, but I'm totally okay with it now. Um, I still love it when um, Tom Servo wears little costumes. I just I I always thought he was the most adorable thing. Whenever he'd have a little costume on, like when they would do their skits or whatever. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so the other day we were watching one. And I'm like, please let Tom Servo come out in a little wig. And he did. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I love it so much. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I like the fact that they have more of a tendency to break into song and, and I'll tell you the, uh, actually the, from that reptilicus, which was the first episode, but the moment where I was like, like all the tension drained from my shoulders of like, is this going to be okay? It's when they did the, one of the first breaks and they did the song about all the monsters of the world. Yes. That was and, brilliant. And as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, we're in safe hands. This is good. So, mm-hmm. Um, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. The, if, if listeners, if you enjoyed mystery science theater and you are not on the new, uh, mystery science theater episodes, shame on you. <laughs> get, get, get to Netflix and watch those. They're, they're really, really good. Yeah. Don't be afraid. It's totally worth your time. Yeah. It's okay. You, it's cool. It's baby. Okay. It's all right. And like, we're still watching, like we still watch, you know, riff tracks and, um, I'm excited with like if you really if you really have a hankering for the old voices, you can still watch Rift Track. We just recently <laughs> in the past couple weeks watched Rift Track's Tourist Trap, which was yes. great, and uh, King- Kingdom of the Spiders, which was oh, great. I haven't seen that one yet. I haven't watched Tourist. Yeah, the Tourist Trap was real funny. Kingdom of the Spiders, I watched. I haven't I haven't done the uh, um, what's the other one we just talked about? Uh, uh, Tourist Trap. The tourist trap, yeah, I haven't watched that yet. Yeah, I have. Uh, it's good. I have the Wizard and Samurai Cop that I need to watch. Oh, I want to see the Samurai Cop one. I just haven't, yeah. fucking downloaded them onto my uh, computer yet. Um, so since oh. we're we're running super long and we need to get into this fucking oh, show, yeah, we are. Um, uh, we're gonna go ahead and just jump off with one last question uh, from Vanessa. Who is your favorite screen queen? Mm. I mean. I mean, it's Barbara yeah. Crampton. I mean, and and she, you know, somewhat famously came out recently and 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 denied that term. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, look, she can she can do whatever the fuck she wants. She has earned that God, right. right. Uh, if she doesn't like to be called a scream queen, then don't fucking call Barbara Cramp- Crampton a no, scream queen. Nobody, that nobody said, she's my favorite scream queen. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of torn. I fucking love Linnea. I always have. I I always will. So I don't know. I do love Barbara though too. And she's been making. She's been in recent years. She's come back hard and strong yeah, to the genre. Yeah, so I I respect the hell out of her for that, and I'm glad. Um, I don't know. That's tough for me though because I like several. So I would. I, I might. Throw in a little sprinkle of Tiffany Shepis as well. You've always had a hard arm for Tiffany, though. I kind of have, yeah. I, I mean, for years, seriously, Bo has referred to her as his future ex-wife. His future ex-wife. So, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I guess not anymore now because she's actually off the table. But for now, that was that right. was back in the days when, uh, when Still... she was pre-marriage. I, well, all right, yeah, I guess you know, never count anything out completely. Um... <laughs> he can't. He can't keep up with her. <laughs> Ah, but yeah, that's uh, that's tough. I I do, uh, and I've you know what? I don't know if anybody has ever classified her as a scream queen. I don't know if I would either. But I absolutely, absolutely freaking love D. Wallace. Oh sure. So, and she just made it. Oh, she just made a video for me. Oh, uh, that's right. At at Monster Mania. So that that was real special. Yeah, yeah, she's great, I, and I think 
you know, like she was notably in House of the Devil in a, you know, minuscule part, but it was definitely a tip of the hat to her roots. Mm. So, you know. Well, yeah, I'm I, still angry about Barbara Crampton being cut out of House of the uh, not House of the Devil. Um, oh, you know, Lords of, Lords of Salem. Yeah. Well, that movie wasn't very good anyway. Oh, God, I saw 31 recently. Speaking oh, of movies really? that aren't right. good. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, oh, that is all right. Let me let me just say this: it's everything wrong with a Rob Zombie Ooh. film is is all wrapped up in that nice. one movie. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like if it, it's like if someone was trying to make a Rob Zombie movie, that's what Thirty One is. Oh, nice. So he's just it is completely up his own ass. It's garbage. Nice. I'm excited now. I'm, <laughs> and I'm he's wearing a powdered wig while he says that. Yeah. I'm, I'm way Dead more excited garbage. to see that movie now that I know it's going to be hot garbage. <laughs> it, and, and I'll tell you what, it's going to fool you in the first like 10 minutes or so mm. that like, oh, well, maybe this isn't as bad as I heard. But wait until the uh, it's the girl who shows up when they're pumping gas, Jamie, like yes, before yeah. anything goes down. And it's the conversation between the dude pumping gas and the girl that strolls over and is kind of talking to him. And um, that exchange is some of the shittiest dialogue <laughs> that I have ever heard. And then the movie keeps going. It's like, oh, no, that was kind of the golden age of this film. <laughs> now we're into the real shit. Well, it's it's um yeah, it's like think just think of all the things that you've ever pictured wrong with any of the Rob Zombie films. Like if and now, and I'm not saying that that he doesn't make good films. I do. Two of them I really like, um, the, but um, just picture pull all of the wrong things out of all of the other all, out of any of them that you don't like. Anything you've ever thought was wrong with the Rob Zombie film, mm. wad it up into a ball, and then you have thirty one. Huh? Yeah, and it's just shitty dialogue, shitty characters. Um, uh, it oh my god, with the I mean. I could we I could do a whole show about just that how bad that movie is, but we might de- need to do an episode on thirty one just so we can exercise all these horrible actually, you know feelings. What? That, that would actually be kind of that would be kind of fun because I would love to hear. All right, fuck it. Next episode, uh, David has to say one eighteen. We're doing thirty one. <laughs> also, that'll force me to watch it again because I kind of like to torture myself sometimes. <laughs> fucking bad oh it's bad all right well that's it for sdtp thank you everybody for for sending your questions and i am very sorry we didn't get to them but we had this call has been gone for like almost three hours now we haven't even gotten to the fucking review yet so we will be right back with first time back we're excited so we'll be right back with get out and now our feature presentation You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meeting families taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. 
So you guys coming up from the city? Yeah, we're just heading up for the weekend. Can I see your license, please? He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? <laughs> <laughs> we hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. smoke in front of my daughter. I'm gonna quit. She'd take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. I'm good, actually. Are you ready for this? I'm back in the beat. So look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? Couldn't see no brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! Bros, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Bros, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Bros! Sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. Mine. It's a terrible thing to waste. Terrible thing to waste. People are getting nervous. <laughs> no. No. No, 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 no. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. Get out. This was released in 2017, and the synopsis is. A young African-American man visits his Caucasian girlfriend's mysterious family estate. So, accurate. Yeah, it's accurate, but I'd say so it's guess who's coming to dinner. Um, this is written and directed by Jordan Peele. Uh, the star is Daniel uh, Kaluuya is Chris. Uh, Allison Williams is Rose. Uh, sorry, Rose Armitage. Uh, Catherine Keener is Missy Armitage. Uh, Bradley Whitford is Dean. Dean Armitage, uh, Caleb Landry-Jones is Jeremy, the brother. Uh, Marcus Henderson is Walter. Uh, Betty Gabriel is Georgina. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield is Andrew Logan King. Stephen Root is Jim Hudson. Uh, Lil Ray Howery is Rod Williams. Uh, Ashley LeConte uh, Campbell is Lisa Dietz. Uh, John Willimont is Gordon Green. And yeah, that is the cast for the most part. So, obviously, we're going to spoil this because that's the point of the fucking discussion. Um, but holy shit. Holy shit. This fucking movie. This fucking movie. Wow. When I first heard... Like, I think everybody had kind of the same reaction when they heard Jordan Peele was going to make a mo- make a horror movie. Which was, really? Fucking really? That guy? Um, And then the trailer came out. And I was like, oh all right and then i missed it in the theater because i was just busy and didn't get a chance to see it um and then we decided to do it for this episode and i'm really glad we did because holy shit yeah i, I i'm almost more curious to hear jamie's thoughts on this than i am you know david's or my own <laughs> um but I, I will just say i think it is there are 
are very few movies where you are constantly buffeted by people saying like, you got to go see this movie. Yeah. And, and most of the time it's like, yeah, that was good. You know, it didn't blow my mind. Get out blew my fucking mind. Um, and not not because of the plot or performances, although all that stuff is, is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it is how how confident, how layered this movie is. I mean, yeah. it, you, not just the 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 race relation stuff, which I think is really. I I just don't know that many filmmakers that could do a movie like this and and have that sort of message come across without it feeling preachy yeah. and in, I don't think it ever crosses that line and get out no um but there is so much texture to this movie um in terms of the 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 symbolism that is layered into it mm-hmm. that you can watch this movie on a purely superficial level and it's still good yeah and the more you dig into it the better and better it gets um, I, I just think it is it, like, it, it's kind of an overused term, I think, but it, it's such a confident debut from Jordan Peele. Uh, like I said earlier, it, this movie established him as a director that I will just watch what he directs Oh yeah, until he proves me wrong. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very funny at times. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes uncomfortable as a white dude yeah. not because not because the movie is going out of its way to point a finger or anything no it's just like oh i recognize some of my own you know bad thoughts or bad behavior or whatever right. in these characters and it's kind of an uncomfortable recognition but i think that's what makes the movie kind of important not mm-hmm. just a great movie but it's an important film um, I think it has the same level of social commentary that something like the Stepford Wives does. And there's plenty of Stepford Wives DNA in yeah, this film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I yeah. think it makes its point so well that, you know, it's just a movie everybody, like every every American should watch this movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I'll shut up. Jamie? Okay, well, one, um, why are you interested in my point of view so much? Is it? <laughs> because you're a racist. Yeah, As we established a long time ago. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I, no, it's not that. It's just, I am I've, not a racist. No, your, grand, your grandmother, grandmother was. No, I feel like. I feel like David and I, just based on the little discussion we've had about this, are going to be of the same mind about it. But you, you just haven't really. Oh, you just said as much. Right, right. Yeah. I'm just curious. It's yeah, not, I'm not. I'm yeah, not accusing no. you of anything here. I was like, what? what not yet. <laughs> just wait. Just wait. It's um, coming. No, I really, really loved this movie, and it's it was handled so well it's so clear that he has a pure understanding of horror and how to make a a successful horror film Mm -hmm. which you know message notwithstanding i i think that you know if you want to have a film have a message then you should and it should be told really well which i think this is but if you want it to be a well he refers to it as a social thriller i think it sits firmly in the horror uh 
uh, on the horror throne. And I say throne because I believe it is. This is right up there. It is so amazingly well done. that It manages to send a message while also being an extremely competent horror film. And that is difficult to do, it seems, <laughs> because you don't often find examples of it being done all that well. I mean, there are some really good ones, but it's it, it can be, it's so easy to muck it up. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't feel like he did that at all. I think he tackled it beautifully. I don't feel like at any point there is any blame or finger pointing or or just i don't i don't feel like anyone is delivering a sermon i i think everything is handled with care and understanding and like a, a healthy dose of understanding from it it seems both sides mm-hmm. you know i, I don't think I, I don't think it's one sided um which you also have to be careful about when you approach a, any kind of subject matter that could that could so easily end up being preachy or um, accusatory or whatever. I mean, it's just look at both sides. I think he kind of does that. I think he has an understanding of, of how things work. And uh, I think it's handled really well. On top of that, going into this film, you mentioned the Stepford Wives DNA going into this film. That is exactly the vibe that I got from this uh, in the trailers. Mm -hmm. And that's fully what I was expecting. So then to be watching this film and find out that it's not really exactly what's going on, uh, that was even it's better. It's something kind of wonder, even more sinister than that. Even more. Exactly. Oh, it's, 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 yeah. God it's damn even, it. It's even worse. And yeah. it's it's so wow. So yeah. original. Um, so just I, w- I was floored i was like whole. i did not i did not see this coming and not that i didn't think he didn't have the capability i just wasn't i had never seen him do anything like this before because i don't think he'd ever done anything like this before and i was just wow yeah you know I, i think the the for me the initial hesitation was it's a comedian doing a horror movie uh huh. which yeah there's there's definitely a crossover between the two genres but Anytime it, it, you know, it would be like if Jim, like when Jim Carrey did number 23, like, oh, he's doing a horror movie. That's a weird choice. And then it wasn't very good. You know, it's the, so when it was like, oh, he's going to do this horror movie. It's like, I'm interested, but I kind of expecting maybe a, a train wreck or maybe more, more heavy on comedy. And it's, there is definitely a lot of, a lot of humor in this movie. Um, mostly oh, yeah. from Ron. It's, it's a beautiful balance. Yeah, it's. it's... I I love I, I I fucking love Ron. Ron is the best. Yeah, he's, he's he's he is he is the he is your black audience member at the horror movie, and just telling you don't do it. He, he's like I, I, I and I fucking love it at the end. He's like I told you not to go in the house, and you're yeah. just like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he did. You should. Why don't you listen to the black guy? Why don't you listen to your friend? <laughs> The scene where he explains to the police what he believes is going yes. on is one of the funniest scenes I've seen in a movie in a while. It was hilarious, uh, but it was like, "Fuck, he's right." Yeah, he's he's a it's it's so it's not a hundred percent. No, the, but he's the, pretty close. Yeah, and you're like, "Oh, well, he's kind of figured it out," and it's that's insane. 
And it is it oh goddamn yeah the movie is very really really funny so I I, I want to say the the first what is it five minutes the opening just the opening of the I don't I'm not sure which guy that was who got kidnapped at the beginning um but that sequence was fucking got me into the movie right away because it was it felt real because I mean I think, I think it just just from the perspective of being someone alone in a neighborhood you're not used to and you see a car go by and you kind of don't, you're really hoping that they're just going the other way. You know, that kind of like that kind of dread was really fantastically portrayed in that scene. And then the whole, this, everything from there, it's like, I love that we have the movies beautifully shot and like, we have really interesting characters throughout and you do get that stuff for wives vibe right away. Because it just it seems like something's not right, and there's just something. That, and and then when we finally do find out what the fuck is going on, I was like, that was that's the the one like minor gripe I have about this movie was like the science. And I was like, I don't think that's how things work. But I'm like, I don't give a shit. This is too good to worry about this ridiculous pseudoscience that you're throwing at me. It's fine. It's a horror movie. I'm with you. Right. Um, and and I think there there's as much like old 50s movies like the atomic Brain yeah and that in this was the, as there is stepford yeah, yeah yeah that was the that was the other thing i was like this is ridiculous just horror movie science that doesn't make any fucking sense and i'm okay with that because yeah. it's just really cool this is a really really cool fucking idea and just god damn like surface like absolutely like you said surface level this is a fantastic horror movie just across the board great actor you know great performances great story just awesome 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 movie it's the 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 deeper down stuff that it gets to be even more interesting and way more just like oh man this is this is such an achievement for for um Jordan. Well, for in, for well, anyone, for any director, yeah, yeah. this is such a, much and, less. And, and like this a, is my first feature. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, this is such a holy shit. Like, you knocked it out of the park on your first try. Like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> right. You're like, just stop making movies now because you have a perfect record, right? Um, or, or no, no, I mean, please, please I mean, continue. Right. I want to see more of these. Um, I think what's all right. So, some of the stuff that I really love about this movie and this is i guess where we're really going to start to get into spoilers but there is this constant theme of predator and prey yes throughout the movie whether it's the the lion looking at him the talk of of you know the deer hunting and (laughs) the eventual use of the deer as a weapon yes uh which is pretty wonderful um i think that there is a weird fifties kitsch to it. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly the scene where, um, you know, the, the main character, uh, David is in the, um, like when he's strapped to the chair and oh, okay, yeah. let's let, all right, just to get this out of the way, here's what is going on and get out. <laughs> and if you don't want to know that, stop right now and the less you know about this movie other than it's really good the better go see it and then come back but so what's going on or not david chris i'm sorry so what what's going on in the movie is that this community of affluent white folk are are kidnapping seducing stealing uh 
black folk and then taking them through a process where the thoughts, the, the personality of the older affluent white person is transferred into this younger body. Right. So that it grants them a perpetual eternal youth. Right. And, but the, per, but then that's kind of the, 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 the wonderful horror of it is that yeah. the victim is still aware of everything They're They've been yes. hypnotically placed into a place called the, the sunken place. I'm sorry. <clears throat> where they can see and hear everything that's going on around them, but they have no control. They can't stop it. Right. And that's, you're a, a witness to your, to a life that is not yours anymore. Yeah. And, and there are moments where, like that control slips a little bit mm-hmm. uh usually because of the like the flash of of a camera yes. uh, in this film and but it, what i was getting at is there so there's the scene where chris is being subjected to mm-hmm. this like where he's being led back into the sunken place which to digress about another thing i really like most movies where somebody gets hypnotized is garbage yes uh, it's just a hard thing to convey. Get Out does it not just better than everyone else. They finally did it right. Yeah. Where you you kind of get that, what the sensation of being hypnotized would be like for this character. Mm-hmm. And, but anyway, so he's in this like overstuffed armchair as he's being, you know, hypnotized and, and ultimately being told, here's what's going to happen to you. And we have to tell you this because if you're conscious of the change, it helps the, you know, the new consciousness that's implanted in them take hold. Right. And the entire thing is done on one of those like 1950s era console televisions. And it's this wonderful little touch. And and that's what makes Get Out. It's what makes every movie great. Like it's the difference between a good movie and a great movie are the little bits of texture, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, Steven Root being a gallery owner who's going blind. uh, And that's why he wants this new body or um, the moment where Chris discovers uh, the photographs of all the, the, the black guys that, you know, his would be girlfriend Rose has seduced before him. Um, or even just the, uh, it's the, uh, what's his name? Um, I guess it's Andrew maybe, but anyway, it's the guy that's abducted at the beginning that that you later see at the cookout. Oh, okay. Yeah. On the, on the arm of this old white woman. Yes. And they're talking about racism. And he's like, well, I've never really felt any racism in my life. And it's like, well, uh, you know, at the time you're like, and Chris is in the same boat Mm. where just as a character, he's like, this is fucked up. Yeah. Like, this is not right. There was something fundamentally wrong about the situation I'm in. Mm -hmm. And it just hasn't gone, gotten so bad yet that I'm getting the fuck out of here. Right. Um, But there are all these little moments just peppered throughout the the both the script and and the way it's shot and uh the way it's performed that elevate the movie from something that could be kind of schlock b movie stuff into something that feels like relevant it also just feels like expert filmmaking at work yeah um well i think a lot of that is there's a lot of that in the dialogue too 
just like it, and it's kind of subtle stuff but it's like the the gallery owner wants wants chris's body because he wants his eyes because he was he's, he's talking about he, he's talking out you know chris's uh you know how talented chris is yeah he's a photographer right for listeners. yeah, yeah. Right. so he's a photographer and he's you know he's talking about how great a photographer he is and then like they like that's why he wants his eyes and it's just like you know i i get like on like there's that the point of like okay he wants them because he thinks that he's gonna get the talent but it's like no that's not there the person it's not it's like he's you know it's the thing where the bad guy thinks that he's getting the thing he wants but he's actually not because it's you know it's the person within the fucking it's chris himself is the reason his talent is what it is you know just this guy taking over his body's not gonna fucking give him that talent is the point that i was yeah. trying to make which i think is a very yeah. interesting another again the, oh god damn this movie's so good well, even when Chris asks, like, why black people? Yeah. You know, and, and very pointedly asks the question, like, why are you taking black people and, and doing this to them? And it's like, well, that's just kind of what's in fashion now. You know, black people are cool now. Right. And but it is that kind of like that's the racism of the film. Yeah. Is this sort of fetishization of african-american culture the the way that people are grabbing his arm and feeling his muscle yeah. talking about his dick uh you know well, I mean, like he's, he's basically like a horse yeah you know? yeah and i mean let's not kid ourselves this is a movie where black people are stolen by white people and then auctioned off yeah you know it's not yeah you don't you don't yeah. have to scratch too deep to see that that kind of commentary but it's never like i said it's never didactic it's just it is the thing that drives the, the engine of the movie, mm-hmm. but it's not the whole movie. No. And, and, and I keep saying that because I, I ran into a guy I was recommending this movie to mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, like just a random white dude I work with. And he was like, I just don't want to go to a movie where I'm made to feel bad for, you know, an hour and a half or two hours or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, sometimes it's okay to feel bad yeah. if the the criticisms are accurate, you know? Um, and the Bradley Whitford character in this movie of that, like, super liberal, you know, I would vote for Obama the third time yeah. if I could. Yeah. That kind of shit. <laughs> like, that character needs to exist in film and needs to be pointed out. Like, no, 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 that's not you trying to be the cool guy. That's be that's you being racist in a different way. Yeah, and I, that's the, the everything, all those weird, like all the ra- like all the you know, even the subtle racism in this movie was very felt super real and like yeah, I fuck, I've seen that before. Mm. Yeah, 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 and it's just well, those are the people who vehemently deny it, but are equally but differently as racist as right. the ones they claim not to be like but i there was a woman who came into the restaurant the other day and um we have uh, one of our waitresses is black and she which is she's the only one in in our restaurant and so the woman comes up and i guess she's never waited on her before she comes the woman comes in quite a bit but i guess this particular waitress had never waited on her before and so she comes up to the counter and she's like, oh, she was so got, she was so good. She was so nice. Uh, she was just the sweetest thing, uh, you know, and, and we're like, well, thank you. You know, we'll let her know. 
And she's like, I just always liked it to make sure black people know when I like them because, you know, it's important. And I just, I just was, I, wow. 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 That is probably the most racist thing I've heard today. You know, (laughs) and like, you do realize that. And Jim used to live in Georgia. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, I just, I, I was, it was the kind of thing that just makes you feel like you've been slapped in the face. Like, what the, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing and how do you think that that's normal? I mean, um, I'll tell you how not to be racist, lady. How about you treat everyone the same? How about that? How about right. you don't expect or unexpect things of people based upon their color of their skin. This is what I, this is what I don't get. Or the people who were like, Oh, just you know, they were black, but they were so nice. Like I really, you know, that's shocking. You know, I mean, (laughs) I don't really know how you're supposed to respond when somebody says something like that. And it blows my mind. And I just don't, I don't get, I, I I mean, I've seen it a lot. Mm. So I know that it's out there, but I, to my own mind, that's just not how I view people. Right. That's just not how I, how I treat people and how I take them in. And I don't, it just doesn't make sense to me that someone's like, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I think that's also a part of the, another thing about this movie that's so fantastic is that this is like common shit. Like this happens all oh, the yeah. time and that's the fucked up thing is it's just like and it, these are the people who think that they're not being racist right <laughs> right right yeah that, i mean that's that's what i think the movie gets to better than maybe any movie that has ever been mm-hmm. is is right. this the more modern form of racism it isn't oh you're less than me right because of your skin color it's you're exotic maybe even better than me because of your skin color right. and it's something i want i want to possess it right and and it's like i said it's the fetishization of that of of seeing or someone i'm going to go out of my way to uh, i don't i don't going to go out of my way um because of your differences and right. i like that's just as you are still calling right. upon the differences in race when you do that. You are still you're still basing the things that you do on the race of this other person, mm-hmm. thereby racism. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like the interactions between Bradley Whitford and and Chris in this movie are it's it's all based on race, even though Bradley Whitford is saying nothing but positive things. Right. It's yes. still. Yes it's still interacting with someone on the basis of the color of their skin and not as a person. And there, there's a great scene. Probably the biggest betrayal of the movie is the Allison Williams character of Rose, Mm -hmm. who is, you know, the Chris's would be girlfriend or girlfriend at the beginning of the film. Right. And she's the one who's standing up for him. And like, but after like meeting the family after Chris meets, you know, the mom and dad and brother, and they all say and do things that are to one degree or another, that kind of racism. Right. And, but when they're in bed together and she's saying like, I am so sorry about that. I didn't think it was going to be like that. And Chris is saying like, no, no, it's fine. Like I deal with that all the time. I understand where they're coming from and just being, being the bigger man about it in so many ways. But it's also like, oh, well, this is coming from a writer and director who is 
a black man married to a white woman whose parents were also interracial. Mm -hmm. And there is just no question in my mind that the kinds of things that you see in Get Out are not unique to his experience, but could only come from someone who's had his experience. Right. And, 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 and that's the that, this is the thing like I I, have, I really want to like go track down a couple. It's gonna sound so awful. I want to go find a couple of my black friends and make them watch this movie with me because I want to know the I want to know what they think about it. Like I just I want to know like just I I need I I as everyone knows we are three very white people in this show. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I need I need a minority perspective on this movie. Yeah, and you know. Uh, just for the dialogue just because i want to i want to i want to have that conversation about this movie with somebody and it's like you know right but then you get into that weird loop where you're like well is that racist right you know like is you know and that's the thing that but rightly so though i mean i think i think that the movie does a good job of saying yes there i mean there is this indirect you know, in, uh, in this indirect racism that exists. Mm -hmm. And, but at the same time, you know, the, the Rose character is presented to be like, you know, one of the good ones kind of right up until the point where you realize she's completely complicit with all of this and that her, her role as the understanding non-racist girlfriend is the most racist thing of all. Right. Because she is intentionally leading him into this sort of slavery. Yeah. And, you know, so in addition to all that stuff, like I said, super funny as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, yeah. The, the, this movie really is. There's a lot of really funny stuff in this movie. It's, God damn it. It's just, it's really, really good. Like, it, this is legitimately probably the best movie I've seen this year. Like, this knocked, I did, knocked me on my ass. I did actually see someone complain about the scene with the police officer where he pulls him over. And he's like, you know, just another example of someone trying to point out how evil police officers were. And I'm like, that's not what I read from that scene. I mean, no. yeah, that is there. But what, what, not really. What I read from that scene is her attempting to make sure there's no paper trail. Mm. You know, and... In reality, that is the best thing for her is is if he's on if he's on record, like she's not defending him from a from a don't be racist to my boyfriend point of view, like we're led to believe in the beginning, right. which just seemed like, oh, yeah, good for her. But in reality, it's to her. It's to her betterment in the end. If no one knows he ever came that route. Right. So if if the police officer in that instance is allowed the opportunity to get his license to know where he was then then their plan is going to fall apart right so it's like it's it's we're led in one direction with that but in reality she's just she's just doing that to protect what they're doing mm-hmm. and that makes it even more sinister yeah you know and I mean, I don't, I, and I don't I, understand how someone could say that that the scene is there to, to to shit on cops. It's like, have you ever been riding along with? Have you ever been with a black person hanging out and just driving, and you know they're not driving and they still that shit happens. It's a thing. Yeah, yeah. That like, DWD, DWB stuff yeah, is not. It's not. That's a joke. not bullshit. Like, yeah, I, that, I think that's the other thing about this movie is that like, it's fascinating because it's very, very much trades on, like. America's cultural racism that we all kind of just are aware of and kind of have, you know, we all kind of accept it in a lot of ways. 
Like there's the the, the overt shit that we're all like that's that's bad. But then it's all like the little subtle shit that we kind of go, oh shit, yeah, that was my oops. You know, that we all kind of, we all fuck up now and again. Well, sure. And I'll, I'll tell you, I don't know that another movie could get away, not get away with, but could make the last moments of this movie feel as terrifying. Like after oh, everything yeah. Chris has been through of es- escaping mental bondage, and then like turning the tables on his captors, mm-hmm. like being the hero of this movie. Right. Of like doing all the stuff a heroic character would do, which is murder the fuck out of everyone who put him in this position. Right. And the last or not not the last shot, but one of the last moments in the film is him standing over the body or his dying. Uh, uh, still alive. Yeah. yeah. The dying body of Rose after he she's been shot and he's beaten the shit out of her yeah. as well. And which in from an audience member perspective, you're like, fucking do it, Chris. Yeah, just just choke it her out. the f- kill that bitch. Right. And then there's a great callback to some stuff with his mom and the deer and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Again, all just wonderful layers yes. going on in this movie. And then you see blue lights flash. Yeah. And you're like, oh, he's fucked. Yeah. Because he's because he's a black dude out in the middle of nowhere covered in blood. And there's a whole lot of dead white people back there. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I and, just I remember like as soon as I saw the, the, the lights and the sirens, this is like, oh fuck. Oh no. Oh no. This is oh no. This this is gonna end so terribly. And it's the TSA. It's goddamn that was, wrong. That was such a, a oh, oh my god. That it, moment of relief that was, you got yeah. when he popped out of the car. <laughs> it it was it was that perfect last last scare for a horror movie that you just I really just needed. Was, well, and I was sure I was like, oh, my God, we're going to get the are we going are really are we really going this way? Is it mm-hmm. going to end horribly? I didn't want it to end horribly. Right. I wanted it to I wanted him to prevail. And then it was it was for a split second there. I was just like, oh, fuck. Like right. it just all came crashing down. And then when he pops out, I'm like, oh, oh <laughs> yay. Yeah. <laughs> it's wrong. Hey. And oh, yeah. His, yeah, I love his line of like, I told you not to go into that house. Right. I told you, you know, how did you find me? I told you I I'm with the TSA. Um, we yeah, handle no, it, shit. We and shit is handled. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's fantastic. But it, it the, 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 I mean, you guys know the original ending of this, right? No. The the original ending of this movie was the the blue lights flashing and then cut to credits. Oh shit! Right, and I'm in a. There's part of me that loves how dark that ending yeah. is, but it's ballsy. I, it is, but I really just wanted, I wanted him to get away. Yeah, like I I, I was so invested in in what Chris was going through. That seeing him, like it, it would make a larger point, right. certainly. But I, just from an audience point of view, as somebody just watching the movie, I just I needed him to get out of there. Yeah, we needed that catharsis by that point. Yeah, like we just needed yeah. him to, to. We we needed it to be over for him. Yes. He needed to get out of there and just for it to be okay. We needed the happy ending, and that's a rare. And I usually I'm not big on happy endings in horror movies. I'm typically very much for the downer ending. I don't know. I, I think the, the the original ending is brilliant. I would have loved to have seen that, but I do really appreciate this is the ending we got. Like, 
it's nice and it ends everything on a nice kind of on a joke and it's like okay like we can all kind of take a, a, a you know take a breath and we're like okay it's okay well, you for can now. see that ending just watch the next time you watch the movie just stop it yeah when, yeah <laughs> stop it when you see the blue lights and right. um yeah there you go <laughs> yeah it's you know i mean it really is uh just a phenomenal piece of work yeah absolutely um it, it's a great horror movie it's a, a great social commentary movie it, it's incredibly entertaining as yeah. well you know like it's oh, not yeah. it's not like you're buying yourself into this dour experience no it's, it's incredibly tense yeah yeah but oh man yeah, it hits it, all the marks and it hits them all perfectly yeah. i really don't have any issues with this before we went to see it um we watched an early review of it on youtube and there was um i can't remember who did it i don't know if it was screen rant or i i somebody i can't remember the name of the channel but they were one thing they said was that they didn't feel like the the scene where you get the him running the the gardener running right at him you know, at, yeah. in the middle of the night and then kind of veering off. He's like, that just came to nothing. Nothing happened with that. I'm like, what are you talking about? That was perfectly explained. Yeah. You know, it was I a, mean, it he's was a in good his, scare. Yeah. Well, yeah. For I think it worked definitely in the moment. And then once you realize what's going on, it makes complete sense. You mm. know, he's got this new body. He's going out for, a, you know, he's running mm-hmm. that's what you know, right yeah that was his whole motivation can. yeah it was like can you know it yeah just, I, uh, I got I beat by brilliant. you know jesse owens at the olympics now i'm gonna get me a body that's just as fast as that one mm-hmm. oh yeah. also oh, did you guys notice it wasn't very subtle so i'm sure you did but um all of the buck references throughout the film um uh, one, of course, uh, and and being clearly obvious because of the way they treated him, and then like the whole, you know, oh the the old uh, referring to black men as like young bucks, you know, or mm-hmm. black bucks, and then there were there were a lot of deer motifs uh, in this film, and very different, like just all of a sudden they just pop up, just all these different deer, whether it would, whether it would be like an an actual deer or um, just a deer decoration or whatever they were kind of peppered throughout and i picked up on those when i was watching the film and i was like oh that's interesting and then when you actually find out what well, we get to the actual auction scene and all mm-hmm. of that it just it was weaved so carefully yeah and so beautifully i was just like oh, holy shit not only is he a hell of a writer but a a clearly a hell of a director yeah and i cannot wait to see more and yes. i'm so excited that he's going to be tackling something else and, and I, I i can't wait thrilled and yeah. i want to see w- what he does absolutely with that um and i like the fact that this was um the one thing i really really like about this is this was um a, a treatise on race on racism but not the it's not the like mississippi burning racism it's not the right. the racism that that uh that everyone is it's not the overt classical exactly i was going to use it's it's the sort of like the new the newer iteration yeah. of racism where you're you're still i mean you're so progressive uh, but you're really not kind of thing yeah you're really right. yeah you're still you're you're still calling out the differences that is wherein racism lies i mean right. this is my personal view and this is just me personally 
I don't think until we reach the point as a society where we can stop making that a factor and pointing it out in every possible chance, whether it's to say, oh, you're better than me or, oh, you're worse than me, because those, I think, are just equally bad on different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, be okay, obviously, the you're worse than me uh, part of that is more dangerous right. and and historically deadly and horrible. But as far as just being racist, I think it, they're both equally racist. I don't think, I think we won't until we reach the point where as a society, we just see people as people first and foremost, Mm -hmm. then we won't be able to get past that. So in attempting to be so much more progressive as a society, we've just gone so far the other direction. Right. That nothing has really changed in that respect. You're still seeing people for their race. Stop doing that. (laughs) That's what we have to do. We have to stop doing that. And the official uh, uh, position of Devour the Podcast, racism, stop it. Stop doing that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, just stop it. (laughs) Just stop it. Just imagine um, Tom Atkins at the end of uh, Halloween 3. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Uh, mm. Yeah, I, this was fantastic. And further, further reminder: don't trust rich white people. They're fucking evil. Oh, which I mean, I could have told. I could have told you that anyway. I don't trust fucking. I don't like rich white people. I just don't trust them. I, I don't like have. poor wee- white people that much. Eh, well. We're at least I mean, I like them more than rich white people, but <laughs> just well, white people in general. But say, well, yeah, probably uh, trouble. Uh, wait, well, duh. Of course we are. <laughs> Always trying to keep me down, man. <laughs> white devils. Uh, yeah, so anyway, this movie's fucking amazing. Yeah. What? I said he was cute. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, ugh. Ah. Yeah. So yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was easily like <laughs> I said, it, this it, is it. probably one of the best movies I've seen this year. I probably will make my best of list for the year because if not number, oh, I don't. It's at least number question. one for now. We'll see if I see it was number better. one. It it was number one firmly mm-hmm. number one for me, and then I was just so incredibly amazed by the Devil's Candy okay. on so many different levels that it kind of unseated it. However. Um, by the time we reach the end of the year, I will have watched them both um, numerous times, right. I'm sure. So it it could it could go back and forth because uh, it was so incredibly well crafted, and it's just um, it was a, it was such a surprise from a first timer. You yeah. know, that's that's what that's what blows me away yeah. is that this is not. Um, because, someone who's seasoned the, in making yeah. jo- genre pictures. It's, I, it's, but he clearly has a, a, a deft understanding of what the genre is all about. Yeah, I think that's the the concern with any. I I think the, the any first time director, any first time horror horror directors, first film is always going to be. There's that concern of like, well, it's the first timer, so let's see how they do. I think there's a little extra pressure on him because it's like, oh yeah, he's like a well known comedian. So it's like, mm, you know, which is working against him. But he did a fucking fantastic job. And like just that the whole opening sequence, like the opening credits, just the movie is beautifully shot and just 
gorgeous. The soundtrack is really good. Just the whole thing is just excellent. Absolutely just yeah. fantastic. Yeah, damn near a perfect movie. Well then, Bo. Yes. What is your grade? Uh, I mean, fuck this movie. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, no, this is like it's a solid five stars, right? It's like it letter grade. Oh, the fuck! Yeah, it's but, that was been the, the fucking letter grade. I yeah, but then the other one was five stars when we did the instant Q. Yeah, it was instant Q. We're not doing instant Q anymore. Get it together, Ransdale. Right. God damn it! Um, that's why why John was right. Why I shouldn't be on this show. Um, I mean, it's an A plus. Okay, I I I, I think that few movies get as much right as this movie does okay jamie i'm right there with him a plus for me and uh if you uh, to anyone who has not seen this movie i i don't i don't know why i mean i everyone i have seen has who has seen the movie has been telling people vehemently to see this movie so mm-hmm. if you still haven't seen it then you need to get on that train yeah. uh it's you it's so fucking good you won't regret it yeah. i mean huh absolutely yeah yeah good times good times a plus for me too it was fantastic i was really glad i got to see it finally just i i gotta get it when it comes out on blu-ray like i gotta own this movie um i i really want to hear the director's comment yeah yeah i do too i hope it's good i hope it's good um but yeah, fuck, this movie was so good. I wish I'd seen it in the theater um, just so I could throw more money at it. Um, I could just, just throw my wallet at Jordan Peele. Take my money, please. Shut up and take my money. Yeah. Well, fortunately, it did well. Yeah. Um, which actually, there was, a, there was a Facebook conversation that someone was having about this movie and then someone was like, oh, I don't want to see that movie, but yeah, just usual right. bullshit reasons. But... Um, and then he's like, well, that's why I guess that's why it was a flop. And this, this, at this point, this film during this, at the point when I had this conversation, mm-hmm. this film had made over $80 million <laughs> on a budget and, of five. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. And I, I was like, I'm not sure what your definition of flop is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause I mean, even, even with shady, domestic. shady Hollywood fucking, you know, accounting, that's still really good. That is hardly a fucking flop. Yeah, I know. You know? And there's good reason for it. Mm-hmm. It deserved every bit of money that people threw at it. Absolutely. I wish I had gone to see it multiple times in the theater because I would have loved to have given it more mm-hmm. than than what we did. But um, yeah, it's just that deserving. Yeah. It's so good. Just a, a so quick good. check-in. Um, it has currently made domestic and foreign two hundred and four million dollars. On a budget of four point five million. Nice, nice. I love it. Yeah, that makes me happy. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure please. it'll it'll make more on uh, digital and. Uh, I'm sure that makes Jordan Peele happy as well. <laughs> home video when it comes out. Yeah. God, and he's got that he's got that first look deal with Universal and like. I congrats to him. I mean, he's doing great. That's fantastic. You know, right? It couldn't couldn't happen to uh, clearly a more talented. Yeah, guy. yeah. And I was I'm glad we're all so positive about this because we need to make sure 
that black people know when we uh, approve of them. That's <laughs> right. That's but, really but what this not whole episode. The Mexicans the on the, the roof. <laughs> no Mexicans on the roof. You don't belong there. And grandma, grandma can't be on the ceiling. That's where we stand. No Mexicans oh on the roof. No grandmas on the ceiling. Black folks are cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which is, you know, really, which is ridiculous. Really been itching to take a run. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Well, no, no. Well, let's say this was the least. No, actually, no. We've done play. We've done Planet Black exploitation movies before. This is like yeah. We we've done. We've said more hilariously racist things in the past than this. <laughs> No, I mean, in fairness, it. Blackenstein, the Black Frankenstein, Oof. is kind of racist on its own. Oh, God. That movie's coming to Blu-ray, folks. Blackenstein, the Black Frankenstein, is coming to Blu-ray, and you can thank Devour the Podcast for that, I'm sure. Yep. We're, I, I, I feel take, like we I will had... take credit for that one. Or blame. Or blame, However yeah. However you want to read yeah, that. Yeah. And, uh, oh, Rawhead Rex is coming to Blu-ray, too. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. I'm so happy about that. Uh, okay, so that is it for Get Out. Let's, uh, we're gonna take a brief break and we'll be right back to close out the show. Tonight, we are going to play 31. is war. And war is hell. So, thank you everyone for joining us on this return episode of Devour the Podcast. Episode 117. Holy shit. It only took us a year to get back. (laughs) But we're back. We're going to be on, like I said, monthly schedule. That actually works out really well for all of us because, you know, all of our schedules are kind of weird and it doesn't put as much stress on us for getting shows done and actually gives me plenty of time to work on episodes and things. Um, YouTube will be updated, like I said, coming soon. Um, I gotta, We'll figure out the archive for the uh, old shows because uh, I have the hard drive again. I have the hard drive with all the old episodes. So Yay. I'm really excited about that. Um, we'll get those back up online in a downloadable audio format at some point. I don't know how. We'll figure it out. Um, yeah. Next episode, we're going to do 31. Because that seems like a good idea. <laughs> oh, 
I mean, let, let, we're talking the dizzying highs of Get Out. Yeah, and then we'll... to the basement, sub basement place where you bury the body spot. Well, we haven't. Where... We, we haven't really. We haven't had an ep- like thinking back on our last the last run of episodes when they were fairly regular. We hadn't had any bad, really bad movies in a while. Like we were hitting like pretty good stuff across the board. I mean, yeah, burying the X wasn't great, but Creep was really good, and like, you know, everything prior to that that for that you know, I'd say like one. Once the Friday the Thirteenth series finished, and whatever else was after that, like those were all pretty good. So, I feel like it's time for us to uh, shit on a bad movie. Well, you've got the the perfect candidate. Nice. Very nice. Uh, so yeah, Jamie. Yes. Tell the people where they can find you. You or... can find me on Twitter at Maven1974 and on Facebook forward slash Maven1974. Uh, and my Gmail address is also Maven1974 at Gmail if you want to reach out that way. Um, just finished today, actually, this morning, recorded a new episode of The Skeleton Crew, wherein we are discussing disturbing behavior and um, the faculty. First, uh, we just wanted to hit up two 1998 releases. I don't know, we were in the mood for some 90s horror, so um, that was a fun episode. Uh, we have some evil episodes out there, and a uh, new ABCs will be coming out soon, Sweet. which is... Is that the uh, Monkey Shines episode? Yes, it is. Okay. And um, we're going to be recording a new episode of that that Iris is going to be joining us on nice. for Letter In. So Yay. that'll be fun. Yeah. And for people out there who have not checked out episode L, you need to do that because Bo was with us and oh that was a really God. good time. I got to talk about Lair of the White Worm again. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and that was a really fun episode. I had, uh, I had a good time going back and editing that episode was... Uh, it, it was just so joyous. So, yeah. Yay. Bo, what about you? Did you listen to the final product, Bo? Uh, I, I haven't. It's so hard for me to listen to myself on shows. <laughs> it's like I have to edit some, of course. But I, un, unlike apparently some of the people uh, who listen to this show, <laughs> I'm not always a fan of hearing myself talk. Um, I should. I will. I will. I'll go back and listen to that. Uh, well, I just as an added treat, I put in the the little the song from Lair of the White Worm. So, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> done and done. That's all I need. Um, oh, where can people find me? Okay, so um, legionpodcasts.com. Uh, you can find uh, Duncan and Bo go to Twin Peaks, the Juggernaut that is Duncan and Bo go to <laughs> yes. Twin Peaks. Uh, which gets progressively longer and dumber uh, the further into it's it so we go. Good. <laughs> I mean, that, it's, that, that's kind of that's kind of the trajectory of Twin Peaks, starting with season two. Once you resolve the Laura Palmer story, it's just longer and dumber. Yeah, yeah, and we basically now have a voice for every character. Yep. And there's and hawk David screeches Lynch shows up, which is the greatest thing ever. That is maybe my favorite thing to do. Could could you uh, could you bring could you call Mr. Lynch into the room for us here on Devour? They're so great. I'm busy. 
I'm afraid not. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Lynch. Yeah. Watch Doom. <laughs> um. <laughs> so about half the characters then probably sound like stroke victims. Is that what? Is no, that what no. <laughs> Surprise! They're all not. distinct. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of screeching. Don't get me wrong. Yes, there is. And... And... There. Th- yeah, um, sorry, I couldn't. I couldn't quite. Uh, wasn't quite high enough. You got it. Yeah, you got to hit that upper register. Yeah. Um, I'm in a coma. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. So um, uh, that uh, the shot cast, uh, which is the video game stuff and um, Hero Hero Go Show, which has also gone monthly. And uh, nice. Jamie, Jamie will be the next guest. Ooh. Woohoo! There's so much uh, incest going on la- as of late. Mm. Um, which is sexy. Um, Hot. But uh, yeah, that's. And then you know, like uh, from the Legion page, you can you can follow the podcast, uh, the Twitters, and the Facebooks, and uh, and all that stuff. <clears throat> like, don't 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 try to ex- expect me to do any kind of personal stuff on social media. Not because I'm that private. I just ain't got the time. Right. I don't have a personal life. <laughs> I know, oh, right? not to Jamie Jenkins Salmon's this, but um... <laughs> Jamie Jamins. <laughs> Jamie Jamins. But um, also, we do have a, a when it comes out, uh, the latest Cinema Beef episode is uh, all about poker. So we did uh, rounders and uh, five card stud, uh, which is an old Dean Martin western. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> and um... but it's gay for. <laughs> <laughs> and right. um oh crap the it's uh, five finger stud the steve uh, mcqueen oh the steve mcqueen really good really good poker movie i can't remember the name of it now but anyway oh, um uh, the philadelphia kid yes um that was a really fun episode and brian joined us for that so um so that's another show sorry i, I always <laughs> i had to I, I knew there was i was just thinking to myself hey i got through the whole episode without Jamie Jenkins thinks something. No, I didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, I know I didn't. You did. But it wouldn't really be a return if, if you, you didn't. Know, there, right? If there weren't some like random firing of neurons that yeah, we would oh, know wait. something's wrong. <laughs> Jamie's body been taken over by a rich white person. <laughs> right. You know what? They're welcome to do that if they're also <laughs> willing to pay my bills. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take a backseat. Like, I would take a backseat to, like, Elon Musk. Let's just see what he's up to for a little while. Well, his his backseat would be fancy. Oh, And man. self-driving. I gotta tell you, though, the odds of anybody wanting this shitty body. <laughs> them to none. Well, you know what? This well, if l- they had a hankering to, uh, you know, watch Netflix and... <laughs> I really need a body that's going to have... I'm the one for them. Yeah, I, I really need to find a body that is has a really good handle on chocolate chip cookies. And <laughs> well, as I said in the past, I may be a mess, but, I'm, but at least I'm a hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> that you are. Yeah. So, uh, the people can find me. Um, I am on Twitter, at DDelamorte.com. Um, also at VD Clinic Pod, um, which Vanessa and I both run. So who knows which one of us is going to respond to you at any given time? 
I, I'm anticipating all kinds of trouble to be caused because of that. Um, <clears throat> also, uh, the bats will occasionally jump in. Oh yeah, probably. That oh god, that would be amazing. Oh god, if we I, god damn it. No, I can't give Baz the control of our Twitter. That would be not good. <laughs> Hilarious and wonderful, I think is what you mean. I, yeah, it would be. God, we need, oh, we need to get Baz on the show sometime. You talk to Duncan more often than I do. Fucking All right. Get, yeah, see about getting the Baz on the Devour. All right. And uh, let him know we'll, we'll get Duncan on too. Because I, I know he wants mm. to come back. Because mm. apparently he likes talking to you for some weird reason. Let's, you know, let's not rush. <laughs> Actually, you know, well, all right. I was going to say 31 would be funny because I know he hates that movie too. But, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's it for what I can think of for that stuff. Uh, so next episode will be 31. Um, yeah, by the time you're hearing this, VD Clinic episode one with Showgirls will be out. And uh, yeah, we'll be get this this uh, trainer going again. Um, love to hear your feedback. Please come join us on the Facebook group. I know it's kind of dead at the moment because there hasn't been anything going on because uh, there hasn't been a show for a while. Um, but I would like to try and get that back up and running and kicking. Um, Spoiler: so... Dave still doesn't know how to end a show. No, no, I still. <laughs> I don't know how to end a show. I did this for fucking four years and I've hosted, you know, I've hosted a hundred and fucking 17 episodes of this fucking shit show and I don't know how to end it. Never have. Still can't get out. You no. Still can't get out. Never you have should use well. the official ending as handed down through generation of Romani, <laughs> which is I just to... No, you just clap your hands, like you know, kind of give it a little, a little pat, mm-hmm. and then you say, "I in thee, I in thee, I in thee." Done. Jamie, say goodnight to the people. Good night to the people. <laughs> say goodnight, Bo. <laughs> goodnight, Bo. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
sometimes, 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 sometimes. Devour the 